Texas got the cocaine resi in it See the rappers in the trash, we was heavy whipping Used to bag it up in Vanessa Kitchen Fifth close, crossed the mob, let the Desi lift him Told him no trapping around here, but he ain't never listen Had my youngest kick his door, now it's Fetty missing They found his body, but his head is missing Spent his bread with my jeweler, he made the Bezzy glisten Blood bottles got the pony head Three racks with the Christian and cop the only pair I put up numbers, nigga, Kobe head Diamonds in the rolly clear Grammy week with 20 of my homies dead December 19th, 2019, and welcome to part two of the Top 50 Wrestlers of 2019 Countdown Special, whatever Tim wants it to be. Anyway, Tim, we left off last time, and I think we made pretty good time. I think we only went about two and a half hours going into another 20 wrestlers today, doing our 30 to 11. Tim, do you think we're going to go... Over two and a half or under two and a half? Ooh, um, all right. Well, no beer in the house at all. Um, I left vape in the living room, so I'm not even gonna have that tempting me. Um, but my wife is at work extra late tonight, so I don't have that rushing me through. I think we might have more crossover here, and theoretically, you would think that more crossover means we talk about less wrestlers, we talk less, but I think that that's not true. I think that when we have crossover, that's when we talk more. Because I think that when we agree on someone, we both like to talk a bunch about them with each other. And when we don't, then it's just one of us talks about them and it's like quicker. So I think this might actually end up going longer. But we'll see. Maybe not much. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering because for our, for our first 20, we didn't have any crossover at all really. Except we both had Harashima and AJ Gray. Harashima, AJ Gray... Um, and I think Tom Lawler were the only ones that we shared. Tony Deppin. And then, oh, Deppin. Deppin and Zach, you had higher than I had, though. Yes. So, we'll, we'll see. But, I don't know. It feels like we're on pace to not really have much crossover this year, which I think would be a really interesting thing when we get all the way through this. But, Tim, we're ready to get back into it? Let's do it. You want me to start out with the number 30? All right, yeah. Let's, or let's do you want to? Or do you want to do number 30? I don't. Uh... I'll go ahead with mine, none since you kicked off last time. Uh, Sounds good. My number 30 is Tetsuya Endo. Uh, we'll talk about him shortly. Uh, my number okay. 30 is Kevin Koo. No Koo for me. Okay. Makes sense. I wouldn't think that you'd have him. But the thing was is that I was getting down to it, and, and I have his tag team partner much higher. Um, yeah. And, and like, of course. But then I was thinking about it, and I'm like, he has a really good case for, you know, being in those tag teams. <laughs> Realistically, being sad conf violence is forever might be the best tag team in wrestling this year i don't know if you just look at overall quality i can't think of anybody else who has as many really good standout tag team matches as a team as they do i mean they don't have a ton of matches compared to some teams that have a ton but they've got the most i think the 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 
most outstanding resume when it comes to quality matches. I mean, think about the, they start out the year with two matches that I think are kind of neck and neck with each other, depending on what happens to be your preference, um, which one is like kind of the hoot of the year for a lot of people with the tag team match against the, the Jollyville Fuckets and then the Workhorsemen. I think at the time people were like, these matches were both fucking insane. And there was kind of divided camps. I think everyone agreed that they were both good, but it was like, I liked this one more. I liked that one more. But everyone agreed that like. And don't, and, and don't forget the Aussie Open match from um, after WrestleMania weekend. Right. So I'm, I'm saying like they start out this, the, the year strong with that. Then they continue to have the, yeah, like the Aussie Open match, uh, WrestleMania weekend fucking phenomenal there uh the match with tank and manny fernandez which is just like a, a stunt a crazy ass stunt show um so they have all of these like hoot banger type fucking tag team matches um the match with fist in, in black label pro is also really good um and then get into stuff like the the feud with uh with they might be giants basically and uh the you know they have a few matches with them but especially you know the big uh, kind of no no holds barred fucking wildness that they have um that kind of ends the feud this year uh i mean yeah like i don't know that anybody else has that many matches that are you know in the conversation for being one of the best tag team matches of the year um i don't think anybody else comes close to that solid uh showing when they go over to the world tag league in in wxw they only have uh the one match in the tournament um but you know really good match um you know, and then they continue to have good matches basically with everyone. Uh, they do a 30 minute Iron Man tag team match with Workhorsemen, which is like, to me, I thought sounded like a terrible fucking idea. And the execution may have not been perfect. It may not have been like the greatest match, but it was a lot better than I would have predicted for an Iron Man tag team match. I actually really enjoyed it. And they continue to have that feud with the Workhorsemen, who are probably like one of the only other teams that you could say has a yeah, similar is he, is he, resume. Yeah, is, is either Workhorsemen or Violence is Forever for best tag team of the year, really? Yeah, so it's like they're the only team that comes really close to having that kind of, like, yeah, that that, that kind of uh, conversation for tag team. So, great little rivalry that those two teams have. I I don't know if you saw the match with uh, with Eric Stevens and Tom Lawler where Eric Stevens got a concussion and, and he was really bummed about that, but to me, I still really enjoyed the, that match overall. So, like, you know, just... The violence and for as forever stuff is so strong that it was kind of hard for me to overlook Kevin Koo completely. Um, and then he also has some good single stuff, like the stuff that he does in Scenic City Invitational. Um, the you know he's got the match with Warhorse, the match with Nick Iggy, both really good. Um, match with B Boy and and Sup was really awesome, where they're kind of last minute uh, filling in for uh, for the fact that uh, Dan was out. They kind of. Change, yeah, Koo yeah, versus Koo versus B Boy was really awesome. Yeah, so had some good singles stuff this year. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Benjamin Carter match on Scenic City Showdown. That was awesome too. Benjamin Carter looks really good, and, and Koo helps with and, that. And um, Koo was part of that really awesome Alley Cat run in Sup, where she just had like three or four really awesome matches in a row. And Alley Cat versus Kevin Koo, while it's not as strong as like. Alley Cat versus Brett Eisen, it's a really good match. Yeah. So, I mean, he was, was there delivering in the in the times where he had singles matches. He was also in that scramble match at Limitless that I mentioned for Oswald Project that was really fun. He, Him and Oswald Project were kind of the, the standouts of keeping that match together with Manders hitting some cool, you know, high spots that kind of what he does, but they were the ba the basis of the match. So, I mean, he delivers in, in a few settings in singles matches enough to kind of not be, like, miserably bad, and then, you know, he's part of the best tag team in the world and not just like by default like probably just a, an actually really quality tag team i mean if 
if 2019 was a little bit better, maybe there'd be a little bit stiffer competition, sure, and they wouldn't be, like, hands down clearly the best team. But I think they'd still be in the conversation, even if there was a lot of other teams kind of that were better this year. They were still, I mean, they had some really great performances. And a lot of matches that I think are unequivocally, are like people are saying, are, like, you know, spreadsheet matches, notebook matches, or, or, you know, list matches for, like, top 50, top 100. So, you know, they're the only tag team really doing that. And, and he's just as much a part of that as Dom is. So I had to, I had to give him a little shout-out here. All right, so 29 for me is someone I know you don't have since you don't have any NXT people, but it's Matt Riddle. Yeah, and he was one of the ones, too, that was one of the decisions to cut from the list because of the NXT thing. So he would have been on the list otherwise. Um, He doesn't have the same volume, obviously, that he's had in previous years, like 2016-2017, but I'll just go ahead and say it. I think Matt Riddle has looked the best he's ever looked in 2019. I know for a lot of people that said that's like, whoa, what are you talking about? 2016 is the best rookie year anyone's ever had. Or 2017, he's maybe the wrestler of the year. Or even 2016, he might, have been, he might have been the wrestler of the year. And sure, like I don't, like, I don't disagree with either of those. But I think Matt Riddle was becoming more fully formed in 2019 than I felt like he was in previous years where he was always a really awesome wrestler. I feel like he's one of the only guys where WWE and being in the WWE system might have actually been helping him a lot. And who knows if that persists? Who knows if that keeps going, if eventually Matt Riddle just stalls out and he be, he fully, he becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and becomes the Kurt Angle of his generation of being really good early on and not getting any better. But for my money, I really enjoyed Matt Riddle every single time he was on NXT TV this year. Whether that was... Drew Gulak, the Adam Cole match, the Velveteen Dream Takeover match that I think is that I think is the best Matt Riddle performance I've ever seen, and all the other all the other tag mat tag matches and squashes that he get that he gets to be a part of, the Killian Dane stuff. My mileage varies on that just because I'm not into Killian Dane, but Matt Riddle tries his his best to make that stuff work, and that's really all you can ask for with a with a guy like Riddle there, where Killian Dane is limited. He's big brawly big man that doesn't offer much and Matt Riddle has to bump around and make him look good and all that stuff and Matt Riddle does it and he makes Dane feel like a hill that's a legitimate um thing impeding on his path and NXT title and things like that so for everything that he has been given uh the hero the hero stuff that he has even going to the evolve gulak match He's been he's been really strong. I haven't gotten to see I I didn't I never saw Matt Riddle versus Kurt Stallion, so can't com- can't comment on that. But all the NXT stuff that he was given and that I saw, he was probably on the male side, the best the best the best guy in NXT this year on a consistent basis for me. I know I said that about Io Shirai and how Io Shirai is probably the most consistent from the female division, but I think Matt Riddle for me was the male counterpart for that. Yeah, and that's uh, it's definitely true. I did actually see the stallion stuff, and, and that was pretty good. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, totally agree with that. Um, all right, so my uh, next one here, what is it? Forty twenty nine, and was your number thirty in Tetsuya Endo? 
Uh, okay, so pretty much right next to each other. Yeah, right next to each other with Endo. Um, yeah, I really think, you know, deve- really developed this year. Obviously, part of it, too, is, is what, me watching more DDT this year um, than last year, at least. Which, last year was just an off year for me. I usually do pay attention to DDT. But I think him kind of uh, go- striking out on his own. Uh, a lot of times, he felt like he was overshadowed in Damnation, and now uh, really feels like he's his own guy, um, getting to show off in a role that's more suited for him, honestly. Um I think that he's looked a lot better, um, and you know, even though that's pretty much just recently that that happened. But I think that they were setting him up even before um, to really kind of make sure that uh, that he was going to be like a, a big breakout um, and really not just be like a background member or not a background member. But he felt like he wasn't. He just felt outshadowed in Damnation, and now he finally feels like he's stepping up to the forefront and and really like uh, feeling like his own man, um, even you know still within the group so i think that that was made uh, made a huge difference um realistically for me for his quality overall for me like I'm, i've never been a big endo guy as much as some other people have like he's made my wrestler of the year list plenty of times in the past i think even before i think this might be the exact spot i've had him i had him in, in like 2016 or something like that but i like endo just not as much as some other people have haven't have in the last few years but I think when he was given the chances to go out there and really feel like his his own guy and get a chance to run with the belt, finally after years of teasing it and feeling like he was getting blue ball constantly in favor of Sakashita, which you know it made it made sense whether people wanted to admit it or not, they were going for their own version of uh, Kawada and Masawa's and Masawa story, and people might not like that, but I think that was very clear what they what, very clearly what was going on there, and. Endo in the chances he got versus Sakaguchi, that in a really in a really solid match on one of DDT smaller shows versus Keisuke Ishii in one of the, in one of my favorite KOD title matches of the year, and then the crown jewel of it really is him and Takashita at Peter Pan having one of my absolute favorite matches of the year in a phenomenal performance from Tetsuya Endo. So Endo's always a guy that's been around and having good matches, and it's impossible to not ha- it's possible to not have good matches in DDT. It was one of those good match factories where you can throw in any DDT house show or whatever, and there's something usually worth watching on there that borders around three stars or whatever, and Endo could easily be a part of that stuff. But I think this year, I personally was getting a little bit more enthused watching Endo's individual performances than I have been in a while, and the crown jewel of it that gets him, so, that gets him high on the list right now is that Takashita peter Pan match. Yeah, I mean, like I said, part of it, too, is this year that he really felt like he got more big singles matches to stand out um, and was, you know, continuing to be a standout in, like, in the D-King, even just right, like, recently as it's happening. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then, of course, the, the, the KOD run is a big part of why he's getting to show off a little bit more in singles matches. He always was good for, yeah, like a big match here and there, especially against Takashita. Um you know, but it felt like that was kind of it. And then this year, he luckily, or this year, you know, that's why he does better is he got to like show off in a lot more big matches with people other than Takashita. Um, so yeah, I mean, good stuff from him this year. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's it, I guess. What uh, I All think right. next will be twenty eight from you, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready to go here. 
And my number 28, if someone you haven't said that, you haven't said yet, someone you have them higher, but my 28 is Artemis Spencer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about him a little later as well. My 28 is someone you already said as well um, in Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, okay, yeah, and I have Zack Sabre Jr. down at 40. Yeah, which I think, you know, it's crazy. I mean, you know, you've had him so much higher. So what was the, well, I mean, obviously I think I know what the issue was because he dropped a good amount for me, but what was uh, what was keeping him so low for you this year? I mean, he has a great G1, but the thing is, is he wrestles between Kota Ibushi and Tanahashi. He wrestles the same guy like nine, ten times this year. And that just that just wasn't enough for me to try to get him any higher, even though I think his performances in these matches have been really great, obviously. He's, you know, even for, if I still had to say who I think the best wrestler in the world is, I still would probably say Zach. But, you know, if you're being fair here, if you're being objective, I don't think that... I could have a guy that high when he's pretty much had only two people that he's worked with consistently throughout the entire year. And then the rest of his year is pretty much G1 stuff. And he has um, the tag match over WrestleMania weekend, even with Minoru Suzuki going against Tanahashi and Osprey. He has the Strickland match from WrestleMania weekend. And the Zach, the Zach and Tana stuff and the Zach and Abushi stuff is all good, but that's, almost essentially his entire year and there's other stuff you can point to that you can point to i guess but nothing that is strong enough to make me want to push him further up on the list or for me for me to think he deserves to be higher on the list yeah that's fair i mean for me I... oh, and, oh. And, also, and i forgot the james mason match is great yeah the was james it? the james mason match from red pro is really great and if that match holds a lot of weight for you, then I can see maybe why you have him over here 28 or 28 or 27. But I think it just didn't do enough for me to push him up. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I get where you're coming from, but I did like a lot of the stuff that he did outside of, outside of, uh, of new Japan this year. Still. Um, it, it sucks cause it was a lot more limited, but you know, there's not just, it's not just the Mason match, which was awesome, but he also, I really liked the Pac match. I know some people didn't, or they didn't like the finish at least. I really liked that match a lot. Um, the Erie match I thought was really good. Um, the, actually the match that he had with Colt Cabana and with Rocky Romero in ROH, I thought were really good. So, I mean, he had a lot of, I think he had some stuff outside that gets overlooked. Um, you mentioned the uh, the Shane Strickland match, which which I thought was awesome over WrestleMania weekend. Um, but sure, he has a lot of like similar matches. Uh, Carlos Romo, another guy who probably ends up on the list next year, um, who's like kind of was a you know he's probably underneath the top fifty, but maybe making the top one hundred this year. Zack Saber Jr. has a good match with him this year. So yeah, there's all that plus the G one. I thought he was really really solid the whole way through. Um, and just yeah like really always he's always good in the tournament settings in new japan because he brings something different so you get him against different guys and, and at least you're getting it's kind of like similar to what people talk about with like yano you know where it's, it's something different it's a breath of fresh air but with zach it's like more work rate breath of fresh air which is nice um but i get what you're coming from there's a lot of stuff with sonata and then you know I, going through that i didn't even kind of touch on also the the tag team stuff which was you know not as much of a focus this year um as uh, maybe it was i mean but the stuff with him and, and suzuki in uh in rev pro tagging um i really really enjoyed you know the what what amounts of that we got this year still so uh so yeah i mean i couldn't uh you know i don't have him super high but uh 
still really thought that he had great performances. The, yeah, the, like him and Suzuki dynamic is really awesome. Um, and just a lot of fun to see them working together as this like vicious, uh, you know, monster, you know, murder grandpa with his, his young, uh, British, uh, uh, like kind of student underneath him learning to be violent. And, and I, I know what you're saying that he had a lot of matches with the same guys, but like, I think him, Kota, him and Kota Ibushi are really good together. Um, and, and I really liked the match with, in uh, for, was it for Rev or it was for like the Rev pro title against Tanahashi this year. I think you didn't like it as much as me. I think we might've reviewed it. I don't they had, they had, the thing that they had two matches for the Rev pro title, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think it was, yeah, I think it was Royal Royal Quest, and then and then somewhere else where they had, well, they they had two title matches. They had two title matches for the Rev Pro belt, and then they were they faced off at um, at um in the New Japan Cup. Yeah, and in G One, and I think they might have wrestled each other at Destruction too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they wrestled a ton, but I liked most of their matches a lot. So to me, like that's not a down that he's wrestling him. So. The fact that he's wrestling like Abushi and Tanahashi a lot, it's like he has good matches with both of them, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's like it's a diminishing returns thing. Like fair when 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 he's when he's first getting the Tanahashi the Tanahashi matches, up until G1, I'm still really enjoying them. But I think once we're getting into Royal Quest and Destruction, that's when I'm like, okay, like I, I I've had enough now. I don't I don't need any more. So that was more my problem there. Not that these aren't good matches. But they got ran into the ground to the point where I never want to see a Tanahashi Zack match again, really. <laughs> right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, all right. So that was my twenty-eight. Alright. So my number twenty seven, not sure where you're gonna land on this guy, but my number twenty seven is Tomohiro Ishii. Oh, not on my list. And I thought about it. I'm not gonna lie, I did think about it this year, but but uh, I just I just don't enjoy him. I just don't enjoy his style and I never have, you know. Um, you know, with Ishii this year, it really is New Japan Cup and G1 for him. I feel like anything else is sort of dishonest. You could say that the Kenta versus Ishii rematch gets him, gets him a little bit more points, and that probably is true for me. But Ishii is another possible G1, possible G1 MVP. Really, really strong match with Okada at, um... In the, new, in the New Japan Cup. And it's just Ishii being great. And I think that Ishii has been instrumental in helping guys get their stories over this year. And I think one of them for me was watching Ishii versus Taichi. I think he's I think he's been a big help for Taichi this year, especially in their especially in their G1 match where my problem with Taichi is that I think he flip-flops too much to like like between does he want to be chicken shit cheating heel, does he want to be tough guy heel? What does he want to be? And I feel like Ishii really drove home, like, okay, like Taichi can be real Taichi can be really good when he's focusing on this one thing and not muddying up what his act is supposed to be. I think he really helped Jay White in the G one by really um just taking it to Jay White in a way that I think he needed he needed for someone to take him seriously, understand that Jay White is trying to be a chicken shit heel and not try to be tough with anybody. Um He's he's some he's Ishii man. I don't know I don't know what I don't know what you want what you want from him at this point. But you have the John Moxley match in Korokin. You have the J you have the Jay White one, and he he's a guy that's gonna be he's got he's a guy that's gonna give you effort every single time, and it might not hit for you. You might not like his style, but 
You know, I, I still I still like Ishii, and in the chances he gets, he still is someone that I enjoy watching all the time. The Okada match from New Japan Cup is one of the best New Japan matches of the year. So is the Jay White one. And I can see arguments for saying that the Shingo match is the New Japan match of the year. I can see someone saying the John Moxley match is the best New Japan match of the year. And that's what Ishii's going to give you every time, every year is that four or five of his matches are going to have a legitimate case for being like the best match that's happened in New Japan this year. Um, some other stuff, he did have a like more more of a whole New Japan Cup than I think people give him credit for. The Yuji Nagata match, he had three Taichi matches this year, and I think the one in New Japan Cup was probably the second best one. He has a one with, he has a one with Yoshihashi too. And those are all very solid in the Crown Jewel Bini Okada match, but it's an Ishii year, good wrestling, guy that gives you maximum effort. And if you don't have him, then, you know, whatever, it's, it's just Ishii. Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, I, I debated it even with him being a guy that I don't necessarily like. I, I can't argue that he didn't have a great year, honestly. Um, did you um did you like the Zack versus Ishii match for Wrestle Kingdom? Uh, yeah, yeah, I loved, I actually really liked that a lot. I was going to mention that as a... Uh, as a match for Zach too, that was like really good uh, early in the year. But I, I forgot to mention it. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I I think Zach and Ishii are another two guys who have great uh, great chemistry too. Zach yeah. has a good chemistry with most of the guys in New Japan, honestly. Um, Zach is a, like we don't want to make this into a Zach fest, but like when you look at Zach's career, he's like has a lot of really good opponents to the point where it's like, hold on, like why is he so good with everybody? Because that's like a quality that you think of like. Daniel Bryan or something happening. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Um, my number 27, I think you said earlier, I can't remember, Mako Satamora? No, I might go higher. Oh, you have her higher, okay. Uh, Alright. Um, uh, my number 26 is Masaki Mochizuki. Uh, Mochizuki did not make my list, but again, uh, yeah, no Dragon Gate guys did actually this year. And... Sort of the same thing that I that I say for Ishii here that I can say for Mochizuki that if you you know if you're not a Mochizuki fan then whatever but Mochizuki is one of the more universally liked guys in the jet in like in the Japanese wrestling bubble that everyone sort of watches and appreciates and likes if you don't like Dragon Gate you still like Masaki Mochizuki and all that and all that stuff and for a year where Mochizuki was not the focus at all this guy just steals the show and with in his tag in his tag matches is him showing up and working in working in noah and working in uh getting to show up in big japan and do stuff and he got a little bit more free got a little bit more freedom stuff that makes you think that maybe we'll see some partnerships with uh dragon gate and some more companies coming in tw- coming in 2020 but this guy gives you great matches and great effort every time and going on 50 years old this guy is still the maybe the best wrestler on the dragon gate roster which is insane to say because Muchizuki has had such a great decade that eventually you're like okay maybe he's gonna let up eventually but he doesn't he just keeps delivering and delivering and delivering to the where he's a highlight in every match and i say that for casey but it's just it's maybe even more so for Mochizuki because he's taking these young guys in um the Mochiz- in the Mochizuki dojo and turning them into extremely viable guys and making them in- exciting to watch 
and him leading these guys through all these hardships and trials and tribulations and making it just extremely fun to watch. They're routinely one of the best parts of Dragon Gate. Their op- their openers and Mochizuki cheering them on or those guys getting their asses kicked in the match and Mochizuki coming in and cleaning house or those guys flipping a switch and beating the shit out of someone because Mochizuki has instilled a kind of confidence in them. And even with him not being the focus at all this year with others with other things going on and other people getting the shine, Mochizuki quietly in the background has been a guy that's been helping helping carry the company and at nearly 50 years old this guy is still one of the best in the world yeah and probably a sneaky wrestler of the decade pick for sure that people may yeah. overlook but like easily should be in your conversation for that um so yeah um just i had a down year on dragon gate oh actually you know what now that i think about it there is someone who did make the list from dragon gate but they'll be on a lot later um you yeah, know that's what, like that's what i realized like i was like oh like, he, he he counts as dragon gate i guess yeah um so my number 26 i know you just said a little bit ago my 26 is artemis spencer um and i had Artie at 28 yeah so pretty close there um Artie's always been really good or has been for a long time um and he did pretty good on my list last year but he did a little bit better this year just because he got to be around a little bit more i mean thank god for you know youtube uploads from our friend parm getting to see eccw at all but Artie has like been double champion for a long time there um for most of the year really and uh and really has just been the heart and soul of that promotion for a while i mean fuck he's the you know the head of the of the school we've got all of this really hot undercard young kids that are all getting trained by him and nicole matthews and uh tony baroni and billy sweet gotta give a shout out to all the trainers there but Artie's a big part of it Artie's the backbone of that company really you know as the the ubiquitous main eventer and the head or one of the head trainers at the school um at a time where i mean eccw is better now than it has been in years as far as i'm concerned part of that is getting to see it sure but also part of it is just the quality of of young talent that they have that are all super really you know inspired to work hard and it's because of Artie. you got this fucking madman in the main event um, how are you not going to be wanting to at least keep up some way with how good he is? Um, and then on top of that, which he's been doing for years in ECCW, he gets the Defy title run. Um, and that doesn't mean just having great matches defending that title in Defy, but it also means showing up in places like um, like PCW, Rev Pro, and then he also shows up in Progress and PWG this year. And just phenomenal, basically every time. I mean, I can't think of bad arty matches really i mean not bad performances from him i think the progress match with grisham got panned by a lot of people i was there live and i loved it in person i watched it back on tape and i still loved it i really don't get yeah that, yeah, yeah that's 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 still really good i don't like but i i think gresham for i think gresham and arty just didn't translate well for people for people there i don't i don't know i don't know i don't know why yeah, I thought it was so fucking weird that people were down on that match because I thought it was great in the building and I thought it was great on tape still. So I didn't know what the fuck was going on with that. But whatever. I mean, it is what it is. And and then people loved him in the next, you know, the match on the third night. So maybe, you know, it was just people didn't want that match at that time. I can totally get it. That was the same crowd that loved A-Kid versus Lucky Kid. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just, I'm not a PWG guy anymore. That's just kind of how it... They, Star versus Artie from... Super strong style is really good, and then he comes on the next night, and they have that awesome six man tag with Ridgeway, Darby, and Lucky Kid versus with his versus Artie, Brooks, and DJ Z, and 
already steals the show in that, in that match. Yep. And you look at that. That's a all, that's an all star tag right there. That's Ridgeway, one of the one of the hardest push guys in the company, coming off of a match with Kyle O'Reilly, Darby Allen, Lucky Kid coming off a of winning sixteen carat, Chris Brooks, who's perennially popular, and DJZ, like you know, a former T, a former T, like perennial TV guy, and Artemis Spencer was was the talk of the town after that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, how many great matches did he have this year? I mean, it's it's you can't even count them on one hand. It's, you know, two different matches that I really, really loved with Jeff Cobb. Two different matches that I really loved with TJP. Great match with Jake Atlas. I mean, the match with Shaft that me and you both just watched because it just showed up online was fucking phenomenal. Great I mean, match. Desmond Xavier, yeah. Matt Seidel. Like, yeah. Even his um his um Super uh, Super Eight Grand Prix, where he just had a run of Christopher Daniels, Matt Cross, and Douglas James, and it's like, <laughs> like he's like it's all really good. Yeah, all great stuff. Travis Travis Williams. <laughs> He can do it all. He really does do it all, like, fucking phenomenally. Like, he can fly. He can grapple. He can work on the mat. You know, he can brawl. Like, the stuff with Shaft, when he was standing up and not just, you know, shrinking Violet to Chef and, and going toe-to-toe with him with big strikes is fucking awesome. Like, yeah, I mean, just one of the best all around. Um, and just, I think, probably going to be perennially underrated for his entire career. Just based on seeing this kind of stuff where people, like... Oh, that Grisham match was not very good. Oh, whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck are you guys looking at? It's just, I think he's just a guy who gets overlooked, and it's really unfortunate because he's just so insanely good. But, you know, I've talked enough. Let's hear what you have to say about Artemis Spencer here. I mean, I think part of it is that Artie is so unassuming that, you know, even when Artie is doing some mind-dropping, it's like some mind-blowing shit, you're just like, eh, okay. Like, it's sort of the same thing I think people will do with Daniel Makabe, where it's like, because Dan has a look that maybe throws people off that they're not really appreciating all the small, not neat stuff that he's doing in the ring. That if anyone else did, did it, Brandon Thurston, they'd be go, they'd be going crazy for it. So it's just it's a it's a shame with Artie because he gives you everything. He gives you the flying. He gives you some sweet and unique te- technical stuff. He can strike with the best of them. He's a really good baby face. He can get mean and na- nasty when you want when you want him to. He can re- he can be a great spot fest guy, uh, f- do some focus do some focus limb targeting, be the guy selling a limb. He can give you all of that stuff, but you know I think guys like Artie and a lot of these all around guys who can give you pretty much anything on the card tend to be underrated for a long time. Look when I mean, look what Gresham Gresham didn't start getting his due really until last year. He will started noticing how good he was, but Gresham, a guy that gives you all all that all around game, doesn't really catch on until much later in his career and Artie's only 33 so maybe maybe he does have a maybe does have some more time for to break out and maybe people appreciate it more but I think guys that are sort of like the jack of all trades and isn't and you're not like hourly spectacular at one specific thing I think you have a harder time breaking out yeah that's uh that's definitely probably pretty true all right so that was 27 for you uh yes no 26 26 26 all right 25 now this is gonna be a tough one because he sort of floats between categories but my number 25 is walter he did not make my list this year and okay and it was you know partially because of being mostly an nxc guy this year i mean he had some good matches for sure but i think he was primarily an nxc guy this year that's true, but um, you know, 
that coward is a really damn good pro wrestler, man. <laughs> that that guy is a real damn good wrestler. And even with him be spending so much time in NXT this, in, in NXT and NXT UK this year, he still has like three of my top ten matches to happen in Europe this year. Like the David Starr match from sixteen carat was maybe my favorite one they've actually done together which might be which, which might be a little controversial the Jordan Devlin Scrapper Mania match the end of the, the end of the, that feud was really great was really great too and I think has kind of gotten underrated over time as the Devlin and Star stuff has kicked off the David Star versus Walter match from Russell Rama with the big with the big false finish and everything and I get it. It's the longest match that they've had that they had yet together, and I can understand calling it dramatic. And it's it's the Walter Davis Star version of an NXT Epic Main Event, and I get it. That's a valid criticism, but the Walter version, the Walter and Davis Star version of an NXT Main Event, is still a really good match in my opinion. And he has other stuff like the Phoenix match from Sixteen Carat is phenomenal. The Trent Seven match versus um, from Super Strong Style Sixteen is really great and way better than people were expecting or giving it credit for because people still think that Trent Seven's a bad wrestler. So Walter turns in a phenomenal performance in that one. Walter versus Mark Davis from Fight Club Pro was was really great. And the bait match from 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 TakeOver uh, I want to say Cardiff, I think. But, you know, we talked about it in when we when we when I talked about that match on here I never took issue with anything about the match. It was more like the presentation and it just sucking my enjoyment out of that match. But that's a really well worked match, man. It's not the it's not one of the best long matches ever. It's not one of the best WWE matches ever, at least in my opinion. But that's a really well worked match that Walter is very good in. And he has other other scattered stuff like the Walt like teaming with um Teaming with Thatcher, going up against Irie and Yuki Ishikawa, uh, going you know, facing facing Thatcher and facing Thatcher and ambition and really all of Walter's ambition stuff that we got to see, and he very very sneaky, very very sneaky had a lot of great stuff this year. The pack match from OTT, where where Pac's finger bends in a completely disgusting way. Uh, Walter and Ilya Dragunov versus Aussie Open from WXW September 13th. So even right, even right now, I'm like, holy shit, like maybe he had more good stuff than I even remembered, and he's on my list. So I think it kind of gets lost because of him becoming the face of NXT UK and just other personal, other personal feelings and him feeling like he's not as special as he used to be. But Walter was still having a very, very strong year. Oh, that's for sure. He just he didn't wrestle as much. He didn't have as many matches. And I was just looking it over right now, and it's like close to half his matches were in were in WWE or were in NXT. Yeah. And I think if you added in like WWE friendly promotions like Progress and Evolve, it's like it's definitely at least half of his work is is in a, is in a WWE kind of sanctioned arena. But you know that's not like I was counting that to make my decision. It was really just when it came down to it. Like you're right, he had a great year. He had a lot of good matches, but he felt like an NXT guy to me. And at that point, that they're not making the list, he's not. He's getting cut. You know. Uh, I get it. All right, so number twenty five, technically hitting the midway point of both of our lists completely here. I don't think you've set him yet, but I think you probably will have him higher than is Hiroshi Tanahashi. 
yeah, I have him just a couple spots higher. Okay. Okay, so 24 for me is Kota Ibushi. Uh, a couple spots higher for me. All right, so I mean, my, my 23 is Tahoshi Tanahashi. Okay, my 24, um, you might have, you might not, is Riho. No, re- no Riho for me. Came on a little too late in the year. Yeah, fair, fair. She had some good stuff, um, you know, earlier in the year before um, kind of she broke out. Uh, but, but you know, um, there is like not a... Not a lot, lot there, but checked out some, like went back it, and checked out some of the Gato moves. It, it was it was good the the um the mid card the mid card belt and stardom stuff that she that she was able to do. I think the high speed belt and stardom stuff that uh she was doing was fun, and even the stuff before that, the farewell, the big farewell match or title match with Emi with Emi Sakura is good. Yeah, but again, it just, it just wasn't enough for her to be able to get onto my list to get onto my list fair and then yeah i just thought that repeatedly being like the 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 mvp of 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 any aew show that she's on um being authentically the best part of a lot of shows for them helped her out um and then yeah continuing to to have some good so like uh, you know like the the goddess of stardom tag league stuff that she was doing was pretty good um so yeah i just overall i thought had a really strong year, really broke out the, you know, the, the little bit that she did in DDT, basically one match was, was a lot of fun and, and good, great performance from her there. So I just thought had a really cool year, really broke out uh, as a star. And then obviously in America as well. Um, and just uh, really like in engaging great underdog seller and just, yeah, really, really, uh, really had an awesome year. So yeah, that was it for that. Um, who was it? You said, Oh, Tanahashi, right? Yeah, yeah, my 23 is on Yeah, 20, 25 for me, so relatively close. Um, didn't have quite the year he had last year, but, uh, but you know, you could, I'll let you talk about him. What do you got to say about Tanahashi this year? I mean, up until he let his foot off the gas and clearly started, like, he, you know, he wasn't the focus anymore. So, obviously, in New Japan, when you're not the focus, you're going to tend to fade into the background, but... Tanahashi from the Kenny Omega match at Wrestle Kingdom to the Kushida farewell match, the Jay White title match, uh, the the first few Zack matches he gets to do to his G one. He's a he's really really strong man, and he has that he has another tag with teaming with Okada, which was a very fun wrinkle into this into this year them teaming up together, and they had a really cool fun match versus Jay White and Bad Luck Fale. That was awesome. So, for a good amount of the year, Tanahashi was actually my New Japan Wrestler of the Year. But, one, at, like as things started to wind down, I started to reevaluate things. Tanahashi slipped down a little bit. He did have that Jay White match in the Best of the Super Juniors final show that was excellent. That kind of put, that kind of put him back into that into that conversation for me but ultimately i just didn't like tanahashi's performances as much as i have and i think just like zach he kind of gets bogged down by wrestling zach so many times in 2019 when maybe i would have liked to see him do a little bit more stuff but i get it he wasn't going to be the focus mid was pretty much mid car for the rest of the year after the first quarter and you know he did he did it just fine he did it well and and when he was in the big spots, he delivered. The Omega match is one of the best matches of the year. The Jay White match from the best of the Super, Junior, Super Junior's final show is one of my favorite matches of the year. And he has a great and he has a fantastic G one with the Osprey 
Kenta Abushi Abushi matches, Delkata match. He has a strong G1. So if anyone has him higher, I would not begrudge them. But I just didn't like Tanahashi as much as I did last year to try to uh, force him up a few spots. Yeah, and the thing is, is that for sure he's supposed to be fading in the background and has been for years. This was the first year where it felt like it's finally really happening. Um, yeah. And that he is actually fading into the background last year and the year before. He's really kind of kicking and screaming or not even really. He's just continuing to have great matches and the crowds don't want to let him go. But this year, especially, I think part of it too, especially what really makes it feel like it is tagging with, with Okada. Like that feels like the, the level of like you now you're becoming that, you know, the, the veteran ace, the, the former ace who's slowing down that you just tag with your younger upstart rival. It's like, it feels like at that point you've just given up ghost. He's not a, your rival anymore. You know, you're willing to tag with him because you don't see that you're going to overcome him anymore. So that feels like the backside of your career for sure. Then overall, I mean, he's defocused a lot, but like I said, the kind of my mileage on his matches with Zach are a little bit higher. It seems than yours. I really, really enjoy them a lot. So to me, it's just like that, that helps boost him. I think a little bit. I thought that like you mentioned the, the, you know, the, the kind of the killers, the really good wrestlers, um, in the G1 that he had good matches with. But the other thing about Tanahashi historically is he always has the great matches with everyone, even the bad wrestlers. So it's like even his Fale match is good. Like, you know, like the, the, the guys who aren't as good, he has the good matches with them. Fale, Evil has good matches with them. Um, and the Jay White match at Best of the Super Juju Final, you mentioned it a couple times there, but that one stood out to me as one of his best matches of the year. Um, and then also, of course, the Omega match. So yeah, great year, down year. And like, like I said, really the first year where it feels like, yeah, he's... Uh, He's taking the foot off the gas. Not even just that he's taking the foot off the gas, but that like it's actually sticking, and he's just not a top guy anymore, or he's not the top yeah. guy anymore. You know? Yeah. All right. Was that so? That was my twenty-five and your twenty-three. Yeah. Okay. So my twenty-three. I think you'll definitely have higher. Yuji Okabayashi. Yeah, I have Okabayashi a little bit higher. Okay. And my number twenty-two is Dominic Garini. Uh, I have him higher. So my 22 is Kota Ibushi, who you had a little bit lower. Um, All right, you can go ahead and start off, on, start off with, with Kota Ibushi then. Yeah, Kota is not – I mean, people know me, know that I'm not really a Kota guy, and I have not been really ever. I think that there was a time maybe early on when I was starting to see this wacky kid who does all this crazy stuff and was like, oh, the, you know, he's interesting. But this was the year where I really felt like for me, he put it together in that he wasn't just, I won't say just a spot guy, but like really having phenomenal storytelling that I appreciated because I think that he had good storytelling matches historically, you know, obviously the feud with uh, Kenny Omega comes to mind in DDT, but you know, in general, I mean, he had stuff with El Generico in the past and he's had stuff here and there, but this was the year I felt like consistently he put together a character that I invested in with kind of a background and and and, and a, uh, a motivation that made sense to me that then translated to what was going on in the matches as well um, to where it really made it so that I could enjoy him completely. Um, the, you know, the, the Intercontinental title run that he has, I think, really helps um, make him feel like even though it's really short, I think it, it showed that, like, it was something important to him. And it felt like in New Japan, he's been kind of floating around and not caring. And so having him kind of win that title and then seem like now he's got a focus and then he goes into G1 and he's really got a focus saying that he wants to win the main title and he wants to beat, you know, his legends and his heroes and his gods uh, really helped to add to that. 
Um, you know, he had a few, he honestly had a few shaky matches in the G1. You know, he was not killing it every match going out in the G1. Um, so it was kind of like, I don't know, especially because his first match. I mean, he, he goes out there with Kenta and there's kind of the idea that some people like Kenta what didn't quite have it there. And maybe it was, you know, not Kota's fault, but it was like his first match in the G1 this year was like, uh-oh, what's, uh, I wasn't too sure on him. And then, you know, the evil match also. But then Osprey, him and Osprey fucking murder it. And then from there, he's pretty much off to the races, having really solid performances for the rest of the G1 going into the final, which was amazing. I think me and you both loved the final quite a bit with Jay White. Um, really great stuff there. And then, you know, since then, it's like not a lot because it's kind of, you know, building into just getting ready for the G1 and, and he's going to be protected. So it's primarily tag matches, but you know, he's always going out there and, and doing cool stuff in the tag matches. Uh, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the tag match with, um, Koshida and Osprey against red and, uh, Bushi from, uh, from one of the like America, new Japan shows, but that was really awesome. Really fun. Then he has a really cool match with Ren Narita. So it's like, he does have some stuff still in there, but primarily, you know, after you win the G one, you're going to be protected and, and basically waiting because now you're, you got to be the main event for the biggest show of the year. Um, so, so yeah, really, really hot, amazing year. And like I said, really put it all together this year for a guy who I'm not historically a big fan of. He, uh, he really, got all parts of his like character and his work and everything together this year to where I was really, really invested in him. I can understand the character point. I think Abushi gets hurt by, um, excuse me, but the Kent, the Kenta match of destruction was just really bad and weird. And it was really it was like, again, it was attempting this Kota Abushi character stuff, but it doesn't really land for me in his other briefcase defense being against evil who evil like no secret that me and you aren't really fans of him so he's not really being put in a position where he can end the year strongly as opposed to like tanahashi in 2018 and he is closing it out with phenomenal matches against jay white and kazuchika okada so abushi really has to rely on what your mileage is on his g1 the Naito series and the Zack matches that he that, that he has because that's really the bulk of his year and for me it's still strong enough Zack and Ibushi is still one of my favorite matches in all of wrestling I love it whenever those those guys get together it feels really competitive like a struggle it feels nasty and mean and every time whether it was three times this year I think that they they wrestled it was great every single time in my opinion the Naito matches eventually wore thin on me. I wasn't a big fan of their um, of their New Japan Cup match, but their Dominion and Madison Square Garden matches I really enjoyed. And the Jay White match from the G1 Finals is probably my New Japan my probably my New Japan match of the year. And then other than that, this guy had did have a strong G1. The Okada match is great. Tanahashi match is great. The Osprey match from Kurikin, I really, I really enjoyed the Lance on the Lance Archer match. I thought was really fun. So it wasn't as strong as some other people's G ones, but again, a competitive and strong G one where he's still maybe a top five, top six guy in the tournament. The Naito series, the Zach matches, uh, and one of the best matches of the year in my opinion versus Jay White. It was strong enough to get him where he is. All right. Uh, All right, and uh, that was twenty-two for me, right? For you, right? For me, yeah. All right, my number twenty-one is Kazuchika Okada. Uh, I have him higher. Wow. Okay. 
Weird. My yeah, that is that is that is a first. Yeah, my twenty one. I don't think you'll have actually. My twenty one is Cody. Yeah, no, I, no Cody for me, but I did consider it. Yeah, and I can understand why not. You know, I've been, I'm, I'm really having a year where I don't care if you haven't had a ton of matches, and Cody has not had a ton of matches in 2019, but a lot of, lot of quality stuff from him. I really liked the match with Juice Robinson at the Dome. Uh, I, I assume that like not everybody did, but I thought it was great, and I, I honestly think I've, I liked every fucking Cody match this year. I think that he's basically had nothing but great matches, except for maybe the only match I didn't see was this match in C4 that I'm seeing here. I did not see that match. Otherwise, I think that everything Cody has done this year has been great. Um, his character work is phenomenal. He's his promos, everything he's doing is just like on another level. Um, just lights out, fantastic. So, I mean, I just. He's the biggest star in the second biggest company in America. Obviously, biggest babyface, I guess you could say. But, like, yeah, he's really delivering in ring, really delivering on the mic, really just coming into his own as, like, becoming his, his father's son. So, a guy who, yeah, doesn't have a lot there, but I thought was phenomenal this year. I mean, yeah, like, with, with Cody, a lot of it's going to be that, with you, I think you've always been more forgiving that, look, if someone isn't, great in the ring if they're still like maybe like the best promo in wrestling maybe like the most important person in wrestling in a given year that you're gonna at least consider them that one year i think me and you both had matt hardy just because of how important he was yeah to the year so i think that's always going to be a thing that is in play here and cody does have the in ring to back it up if you like certain matches if you like that dustin match that it wasn't really i didn't like it as much as other people did but if you think that's like a Top twenty, top thirty, top forty match of the year. I can see it. I have, I've, I've, I've heard, I heard people calling it match of the year, which I think is crazy. Yeah, but yeah, I've, I've heard yeah, it. match of the year for some people. Yeah. Um, the code, the Cody and Dustin versus the Bucks, or Cody versus Sammy Guevara from the first from the first episode of Dynamite, or the Cody versus Jericho title match from Full Gear, or even Cody versus Sean Spears. That mileage may vary on, but if you like that match, I understand it. So. Yeah, Cody Tony has a wild Darby, pick to me because the Darby match is awesome. Yeah, like yeah, the Darby match, the Darby match is really good too. So I just, I did I did consider Cody. So I don't think I don't think this is a valid uh, like an invalid pick at all. He just um yeah just didn't do it for me. But do, like so, do you think Cody's gonna have an even better twenty twenty, or do you think this is maybe the most like can you like can you envision yourself liking cody this much long term i think so i think so and i think that part of it too is that aew didn't exist for the whole year i think if he gets a full year of aew and kind of being at the level and focus that he's performing there then yeah i do think that he'll have an even better year next year okay yeah all right all right and that was your 21 yeah all right my number 20 is barbara cabernario not did not make my list so, um, fucking CMLL man, and he tried. Carvinario tried first few months of the year. Carvinario's having a few of my favorite matches of the year, man, and he he, he just couldn't sustain it. CMLL wasn't isn't the most conducive to someone continuing to have like a wrestler of the year caliber year, but the dude the dude the dude tried real hard there, and the T, the Teton match was. Was ex- was was excellent. The dragon, the Dragon Lee matches because he has one on January fourth, and then he has another one over WrestleMania weekend with him. And the Mystico match, where some people were real, have that on their match of the year list. Maybe I didn't like it that much, but it was 
an incredible performance from Cavernario to get something that quality out of a guy that does not ever have good like matches that are on that level in Mystico. And his Parejas uh, Increíble um, stuff is, was re- was really good, team with, teaming with Teton and, and other scattered spots and lightning matches. I enjoy what we got from Cavernario, but, you know, man, I I really wanted to have him higher, and I just couldn't. The, the Soberano match from Fantastica Mania was excellent, and those guys have incredible chemistry. So, like nothing that nothing that was out of the ordinary for those two. But CMLO, once the year keeps going, he he's not getting as many opportunities to keep adding on to that, and it's a shame. man. he's still only like twenty five, and one of the best wrestlers in the world. And I want to be able to get him higher. He's maybe the best luchador of the decade. There's a legitimate case for that. And I can't get him any higher than than 20. Yeah, it's a bummer because he is really good. And he's a guy that, like, I think if he if he did get signed somewhere else and left Mexico, which I hate to say, I would probably – he'd end up perennially on my list. Because I, when I do see – and what I do see of him, I always really enjoy. Um, it's just – he just doesn't – he's just not a focus of any company – He's never been a focus. He's never been treated importantly, even though he has great matches. And he even had it. Well, that's that's well, that's the thing is that if you if you look at it, CMLL looked like they were like it was good, like they were yeah. like looking like they were getting ready to push him as the top heel in the company, and then he still sort of is, but then he isn't at the same time. It doesn't feel like he's getting treated that way, even though he was given a win over over Phoenix when when Phoenix first comes in, or getting or getting or getting to take someone's hair or. Getting to or getting to beat Volador or stuff like that. Like he does all this, he does all this important stuff, and then he it de- it de- doesn't really go anywhere, which is the most frustrating thing about it. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Number twenty for me. I think you had him just a couple spots below. Was is Hiroshima? I had Hiroshima at. 33. 33. Okay. So, uh, definitely, you had him in the last episode. That's what it was. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just, I thought that, like, he is what Tanahashi was the last couple of years. We talked about he's, like, being kind of moved down the card, the, the ace that's not supposed to be the ace anymore. But the crowd loves him. His performances are amazing to where you get to the point where eventually they put the main title back on him. Um, this year really showed versatility as not, you know, just a, a big match focus, being focused guy, but someone who can you know, start out the year with this like random miracle worker match against Jason Kincaid, um, who doesn't come back to DDT for some reason, Jason Kincaid, not continuing to get booked there, but whatever. Um, so like, uh, you know, has a really, really solid match there with Kincaid. Who's like not bad, but not great, but you know, not worth that while. Then they put the extreme belt on him and it kind of feels like it's going to be like, you know, just a little joke thing, but he really elevates that title to where you get to a point where it feels like, uh, you know them kind of unifying or, or putting together the the open uh, weight title and the extreme title with him beating Takashita makes sense. Uh, taking a belt that you know had been valued, had been built up somewhat in the past by Sasaki, so it wasn't like out of nowhere. Um, but uh, but it did feel like he did help to also elevate the prestige of that to where you get to the point where uh, it makes sense to put the title back on him, and then he continues to just have phenomenal matches. The the defense against Eno, really good, and then you know everything in the D King that I've seen from him so far, he's fucking great. Um, 
winning oh i forgot to mention winning the extreme title from aoki i like that match a lot um and then the two the two aoki match the two aoki matches are really good yeah so really really good uh aoki matches both of them um and then so yeah i mean just refusing to die ace like kind of thing that i really really enjoy seeing um so it really pulls that off and then being able to be put in there like i said not being the focus and being able to be put in there in tag team matches um with really anyone he can be he can be with other members of disaster box he can be thrown in with random like just random tag team partners who like you don't like he's never partnered with before really and still be like awesome and have great chemistry with them and put together matches that make sense he can also wrestle with people that he's been wrestling with forever like kudo and you know have be a fantastic tag team partner with him so just super versatility always like you know what you're getting with Hiroshima every time and it's maximum effort hard work and, and really solid storytelling he goes a bit over the top i'll say sometimes his selling can be a bit <laughs> to steal a term from the slack vanity selling at times that i think is a can be a bit much but but still like it, very very good and like i said consummate professional cons, consummate like top guy carries himself with gravitas and continues to have this like really awesome matches i mean i'm hearing people talk about match of the year level stuff with him i don't know if i go anything from him really match of the year but stuff that could be in the conversation for like top 25 matches of the year for sure so you know really good performances throughout the year yeah for me i think if i resonated more with the harashima takashita match maybe i would have it higher but it, it, it just didn't hit me on that level i didn't think it was that i didn't think it was that great so right there like harashima is still one of the 50 best wrestlers in the world and the dude is 45 years old maybe older so He's 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 great, and I love Harashima. I think he's just as good as Tanahashi historically too. But for me, but for me, um, I just wish that maybe that one big moment would have hit a little bit more. But from the Disaster Box stuff all year, Disaster Box was a highlight for DDT. Um, the Aoki matches, Akito versus Harashima from the King of DDT first round, and the upset where Akito beats him, where. Um, getting in, go, getting into D, getting into D King, and he's been probably one of my favorite guys in the D King stuff that I've got that I've gotten a chance to see so far. And the Eno you know, match that you mentioned after beating Takashita, and even the you no know, the Taka, the Takashita match itself is still a really it's still a really good match. So like you said, extremely strong year for Harashima. He's a guy that time in and time out was a strong centerpiece for DDT, even in the moments where he wasn't the focus, even in the moments where Takashita and Endo and Sasaki and all that are still taking up the scene there, the guy makes you care, the guy gets you invested, and the build to Takashita versus Harashima with all those all-out versus disaster box matches put a lot of heat on that eventual Takashita versus Harashima match. And the way Harashima, after being so long in the game, being such a linchpin in DDT, that... If you know Harashima historically, he's usually in control in his matches. It's not often that you see Harashima in a position where he's fighting from underneath and that he's not in control and that he's not the one that's dictating the pace. So to see the change in roles for Harashima in that Takashita feud was a big, strong thing for him this year. So great year, still one of the best wrestlers of all time. And I'm excited to see what he does in 2020, whether it's like, an Omega match 
and a, a big Endo match, Takashita rematch. I'm very excited to see what Hiroshima's big move is for 2020. Yeah, definitely. All right. And that was your number 20? Yeah. All right. Number 19 is a guy I know that you have higher, but it's AC Mack. Uh, yeah, I do have him higher. Um, number 19 for me, I think, is a guy that you probably don't have. If you didn't have Cody, I don't think you have Chris Jericho. Yeah, no Jericho. Yeah, I mean, I can totally get why it's again he has even less matches, but it's the same. It's a lot of the same talking points from from Cody, but I think even better he he's the big time ace champion for AEW and feels like really the most relevant thing that they have going as their unfortunate ratings are slipping and they're you know they're continuing to uh, to maybe they're gonna lose the demos ratings talk ratings talk even on the top fifty I guess that's it's just that bad right. Um, but starts out the year, I thought that I really liked the Naito no disqualification match at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I thought that the first match with Kenny Omega was great. I mean, again, it's the same thing. Like I could go through the list. I could go through the list of all of Chris Jericho's matches and it wouldn't be, wouldn't take up that much time. He's had only a handful, but I thought that every one of them was good. I mean, I thought that his performances and every one of them were good. Even the most recent one, the, the 10 minute time limit draw with Jungle Boy. I thought he d- delivered his role perfectly there. He's just, he's fucking phenomenal at what he's doing he's an all-timer he's a legend he's a hall of famer he's however old he is probably like in his 50s almost 50 49 years old um and is just killing it out here and feeling like an absolute legend um and performing at the top of the world still at 50 years old um so yeah i mean had a great year and i just i had to get him on my list basically and i thought that yeah i just no, i get it i think if, like too. anyone acted like Jericho doesn't have a case, and I think you're not being honest with yourself. Honest with yourself, like if you're doing a purely in ring, then yeah, of course. But Jericho has been so instrumental and vital into making AEW feel feel major league and feel like legit competition. It has been it has it has been a very good TV show for the most part, and Jericho and his segments have been a big part of that. You could argue that Jericho's matches haven't really helped anything. You could argue that the Scorpio Sky. Um, and Jungle, Jungle Boy and Darby matches haven't really done much to push the show, but Jericho as a presence and his promos and his in his segments and everything have been really strong. And at least for me, he does have that Cody match that I thought was legitimately great. And not to mention, there's the Nitro match from Wrestle Kingdom that some people have as high as like four and a half stars or whatever. I don't like it nearly that much, but it's still a very solid match to me. So yeah, I, I totally get the Jericho one. All right. So my number 18 is a guy that I am very, very unsure about what you're going to do with him, but it is Daniel Bryan. Oh yeah. No, not on the list. Not going to have a WWE guy on the list. Uh, but what I've seen from him, I he's had a great year um, up until very recently. He was having a really, really good year. Um, You know, the Kofi Kingston match at WrestleMania is obviously the crown jewel here, but he he was a strong guy for most of the year, man. Um, the Royal Rumble AJ Styles match is not the best that they, those two could have done together. It goes way too long, but at its core, it's still AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan having a wrestling match, and it's still very solid. I'm not going to say you can call that match like bad or like it was some extreme disappointment. It went too long. More than anything, I think that and that was the biggest problem there. You go to you go to fast you go to fast lane, 
and he has the insane triple threat versus Ali and Kevin Owens, which is one of my favorite WWE matches of the year. His performance in the Elimination Chamber is excellent. Um, obviously, the Kofi WrestleMania match, and then the follow-up when he takes off for a month and comes back on Raw to face Kofi in the title match on TV, that's a great match too. And then that then that pivots into him having a short-lived team with Eric Rowan, and it, it involves matches with the matches with the New Day, Usos, uh, Heavy Machinery, even multi-man matches. And again, it makes it make it making the most of it. I thought that those matches were honestly very good. A lot of them, I enjoyed I enjoyed the hell out of those matches, man. And we get further into the year, and then he has that really awesome match with Adam Cole on SmackDown that does a lot for Adam Cole, and Adam Cole looks the best that he's looked in a long time. And in a miraculous turn of events, Dan Bryan sort of gets turned back babyface, and he's wrestling the Fiend at Survivor Series, and it's a it's a solid match, man. It's a good match, and through all the bullshit, through the stupid no selling, through the dumb lights, through all of it, Daniel Bryan actually manages to get that crowd invested in the actual match of Bray Wyatt's, and who like I, I'm fascinated to see if that stuff persist if he's able to continue doing that but Daniel Bryan has somehow turned back into the most over baby face in WWE again which would be the third time he's done that and he started the year off as a hated heel doing a really good job as a as a heel as a heel champion of Smackdown and he might be ending the year as the most baby over baby face on the roster which like obviously my feelings on Daniel Bryan are known at this point I think he's the best wrestler of all time but if that doesn't if that doesn't explain to you why I think so highly of Daniel Bryan, I don't know what to tell you. He started it off as the most hated champ in the company, giving these scathing promos to Kofi Kingston about him not being good enough for the for for a title shot and all that stuff, and really Daniel Bryan playing a hypocrite based off the stuff that he went through years ago. And here he is ending it being maybe the most over babyface on the roster. Like that just tells you all you need to know about him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's phenomenal, and again, like definitely a wrestler of the decade conversation guy. Definitely a guy who would completely be on my list if he wasn't just a WWE wrestler. Like, yeah. Um, the my nineteen, no, my eighteen is Tetsuya nineteen. Yeah, no Naito for me. No Naito for you. Okay, I can understand that because I don't think I don't think you really like Naito that much, I, right? I, I mean, historically, no, I, was, I, was, I was a big Naito. I was a Naito guy. I was a, I liked Naito before. A lot of people like Naito, but I think for I think for me, right. I think I've just gotten tired of the act, honestly. Fair, and I can see that. I think that um, the act is definitely kind of stale, but it stays over, or at least it's stale to me. But it stays very over to the crowd, so can't hate on him too much for that. But what I liked this year is I felt, you know, I haven't had Naito on my list probably in a while, um, but this year I felt like he turned up the violence a lot in his matches. He felt a lot more aggressive, and people might say that, like, oh, all of his matches are like that, but I really felt like there was some, like, wacky bumps in his matches, some really fucking crazy, just violent attacks in his matches, stuff that, like, felt like he was really turning it up, and maybe it's not for the best and it's dangerous for people's health or whatever but for me it helped add a lot more excitement to a lot of his matches um throughout the year it felt like 
he was on the edge of like fucking murdering people, especially Kota Ibushi, obviously both of their matches are the kind of pinnacle of that this year or yeah, all of their matches, uh, kind of a pinnacle of that this year, just like how fucking crazy overboard he takes it at times. But, uh, yeah, I just thought that he really turned up the aggressiveness. The match with Shingo was phenomenal. I mean, obviously, I think that that could end up in my conversation for match of the year. But I also really enjoyed the match with Jeff Cobb. Um, obviously, the match with Jeff White. All those in the G1. Then the, the Intercontinental title match with G1 I really, really enjoyed. Um, and then, obviously, we're going to uh, go into Wrestle Kingdom coming up here and see uh, what happens there with the two-night tournament and all that but that's obviously next year so we'll talk about that next year but uh but yeah i just thought that this year in ring wise he really turned it up even if the character is getting boring and i definitely see people talking about him as being very repetitive you can definitely say that about him but for me i i just felt like uh felt like uh he he kind of took the next step in his in his in ring to where i was actually really enjoying a lot more of his matches than i have in the past Naito's always going to make my match of the year list. You know what I mean? The Bushi stuff, I, th- I really liked most of it. The Jay, the Jay White match from Destruction, I thought I thought was awesome. And he's going he's gonna to have other stuff. The, the Naito-Shingo match from G1 was, was excellent, obviously. So, you know, he's not, he's not a guy where his good stuff is non-existent. The Jericho match, we touched on with Jericho. I did like that Jericho match from Wrestle Kingdom. It just for me, it didn't it didn't hit me the same way. So now I gotta ask. So Okada, Abushi, and um, Naito have all dropped for you now. So night, so Naito was what a top three New Japan guy for you. We're top four. Uh, who? Let me see. Mm. I think I think I think I think I think uh, I know the three guys you have above him. He is the. F- fifth the fifth okay yeah he is number right. five new japan guy for me this year okay all right so, so i'm curious to see who else that you can who else who else kind of that you have above yeah all right. so yeah he's the i think that I, I'm, let me say three yeah he's number five so heavy new japan year honestly for me comparatively a lot of years yeah i'm keeping off most of the new japan guys but i know at this at this rate and he's there's still five ahead of him so yeah, I think uh, I think you'll be interested to see, but probably not shocked. All right, so my number seventeen is uh, Sari. I do not have Sari. And shame on you, really? Yeah, because I know, I know. Fucking... I've seen almost none of her matches this year. Dude, she was incredible this year, and Sari's been a really good wrestler for a while. Still young, I think she's like twenty three years old, but. This year, just being given the ball in Sendai and Sendai girls, and just taking full advantage of it, man. Um, the two Chihiro Hashimoto title matches are very solid. I don't like them nearly as much as other people seem to, but they are very good. But they are very good matches. The big, the big ones for the big ones for me are Sari versus Dash Chisako from July seventh, which is fucking incredible and insane and you really should see that match um at some point at some point down the line i get it 2019 is about to be over but you should really make some time to go to go check that out and then sari versus michael satamora from um, from april 16th was fucking great the thing about sari is that you look at her and she's not she's not she's not bulky she's not as strong she's not as toned as Michael or 
Chihiro is, but she's so feisty and fiery and mean and passionate and it just provides these insanely violent matches. The Michael matches is, is super violent. The Dash match is super violent, but you wouldn't expect his Dash that's not really Dash's game either. But they but they just beat the ever living shit out of each other. Um she had a tag she had a tag match that I really enjoyed going up going up against Beauty Bear. Hold on, let me look for let me look for it real quick. But yeah, it was uh Sari and Hiroyo Matsumoto versus Beauty Bear from February third. That was that was great too. And there's other scattered Sendai Girls tags whenever whenever they make it online that she's all she's always really good in. And totally she might not have the volume of like what what other other people might be mentioning on here and maybe that's inconsistency but but the she left a really big mark on me in 2019 and she has two like two of my absolute favorite matches of the year and i think the performances in those are strong enough to catapult her to that to the spot and then she has other solid stuff throughout the year to make to not just make it so surface yeah yeah, I can. I mean, from everything I've heard and the little bit that I've seen, obviously she's having a great year. I just haven't de- de- dived in, and probably when I do, she would end up retroactively being on the list. Um, but right now, as we go to presses, she's not. Um, number seventeen, I think, was on your list and maybe isn't it anymore. Disappeared from your list uh, by nefarious means last night is uh, Chris Statlander. Chris Statlander is now gone off the list. <laughs> she was deleted, unfortunately. Um, she had to be beamed back to her home planet, I guess. Um, but uh, it's funny because you mentioned, like, you know, when we started out the podcast, we were the Chris Statlander hater podcast, I guess. And I think people think that I dislike her more than I do or that we dislike her more than we do or whatever it is. But, I mean, shit, she made it this high on my list, number 17 for me this year. And Yeah, and like, very, very warranted, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. I mean, seriously, like... People might think that she's a novelty pick, you know, she's so young, she's got this goofy gimmick, but she's really, theoretically, compared to a lot of people on my list, she's like a, a volume case person. Yeah, like, every like everywhere. Yeah. Literally everywhere. She's getting booked everywhere, everywhere all over the country, uh, even a couple of international shots, very few, but still, I mean, everywhere in america north america i guess you could say canada as well um and great matches all over the place the feud with ashley vox that basically just recently kind of uh um culminated with the big last creature standing match it was phenomenal this year um you go through like just tons and tons of matches everywhere lots of really good stuff in beyond wrestling uh match with david Starr, chris dickinson stands out the match with joey janella those are like the kind of the top ones a match with Alex Reynolds on the beach. It was really fun. Um, match with VSK. Who's like, you know, he's a perennial just there kind of guy in, in, um, in beyond, but that's her teachers, her, her, one of her trainers. So she puts a lot into like making that match feel special stuff with Nick gauge, you know, which like really helps build her star power builds, both their star powers against each other. Um, match with Sammy. That, that damn near third, that damn near 30 minute match with Joey Janela, where it's like, sounds, very shaky on paper is actually like you know was up there with David Starr versus Mercedes, Mar- Mercedes Martinez and Kylie Ray versus Ethan Page is you know the best intergender matches of the year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just phenomenal stuff. Matthew Justice match. This is a lot of fun and just wild and crazy. Like I said, she was really the star of the like Team Beyond versus Team IWTV. Um, really, just 
yeah, great match with uh, with Brian Cage in in bar wrestling. That was super fun. Like her personality and her character work and all that stuff is like really great and is the kind of icing on the cake. But her work is solid and she very young delivers on that work like super well. Early in the year, uh, match with Bear Bronson that I loved uh, quite a bit. Um, where she kind of like was playing, like showing off how strong she was against the bigger, you know, bigger, uh, I guess, I don't know what to call her colleague, uh, co-student. I don't know what you call it. Co-ed, um, from her training school so that, you know, they have like kind of experience with each other. So they're playing around a little bit. They're comfortable. They really kick the snot out of each other. Um, really fun match, uh, three way with, with Kimberly and Shaza McKenzie and AAW, I mean, yeah, I just, I thought, she, like you said, everywhere, great matches with everyone, really, like, not, she's not like a, you know, one of these, like, just boring young new kids who's, like, their gimmick is just, like, uh, you know, wrestler. <laughs> she, like, has something cool about her, she's got big personality, she leaps off the page, and, uh, and she's just got star power, and also she brings it in the ring for someone who's so young, like, definitely deserves all the all the accolades that she's getting already um and obviously 2020 is going to be even bigger there's a fucking bidding war for her that just happened with aew getting the win and 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 getting her signed so we'll see where they go from there looks like they're hot shotting her directly to the title so 2020 is like gonna go even further for her probably and like there's people ojmo other people who like people say like oh they're shaky they're too green they shouldn't be getting pushed this fast but like realistically i think she's proven it over the course of this year that like she's ready for she's ready for it and like we'll see if maybe the gimmick holds her back a little bit people are already kind of saying it's too goofy for tv but people were saying that about orange cassidy and a lot of those same people that were saying it about orange cassidy like turned around and said actually this orange cassidy thing works on tv um even though i thought that it wouldn't so we'll see if maybe the same thing can happen with with chris stat here and not only that like she's like clearly proven even in the time that she's gotten on tv that she is a good wrestler too so, all those concerns, once you see that she gets people to react when she's in the ring, sort of need to go away. And, yeah, Chris Atlanta was, was on my list. Again, I, I like to full transparency here. I was going through, and as Timothy was talking at some point during during last night's show, I was looking at it, and I'm like, man, I really want to have Cash Asono on my list. And the reality is that I cut Chris Statlander in favor of Cash Asono. But... Yeah, so like Statlander was on my list, and I very strongly considered her. So nothing, nothing, nothing against her, but I, do, I just wanted to get on on there. Yeah, yeah, and I can't blame you. He's he had a good year. All right, so my number sixteen is Yujiro Kobayashi. Um, I yeah, I had him at twenty three. Ah. so, um, Yuji is an interesting guy this year. Some people might call him the wrestler of the year. And I totally understand that. I totally see that. The problem being that I don't feel like his opponents held up their end of the bargain all the time in their matches with him, man. I think, I think that re- that really hurt him for me. So in Champions Carnival, he's like at, like at, at worst the second best guy in it as far as his performances, but I never felt like the matches are really living up to the standard of what I expect from Yuji. And that's on Dylan James and Zeus and all those guys for that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blaming him, but it's, it was sort of, um, it was, it was what was holding him back. But again, if you just watch every Yuji match from, from the year, 
Yuji delivered every single time, man. Yuji give you high maximum effort. Yuji Yuji busted his ass. He sold he sold well. He was putting people over. He made people he made people look good. In the process, he he himself was looking like one of the strongest wrestlers in the world and all that stuff. And the crown jewel for him really is the, the Takuya Nomura feud. The build up was actually really good too. There were some strong ta- there were some strong tags and everything that sort of get that sort of get lost in the shuffle there. But Yuji was so great in that role of really just dominating Takuya at every turn in the build, and then. As and then, as we're getting closer to the match, it felt like Takuya was finally you know, fitting into it, and that was the arm work, and that arm work in that match, and just the match itself was so phenomenal. Yuji's performance in it is so great; it's so strong. It's really, it's a really smart match, really well done, really well performed, and it's a shame that maybe that might not have gotten followed up on because immediately after that, he drops the belt to Kohei Sato. In a real head scratch, in a real head scratcher of a decision, he drops the belt to Kohei Sato. But even you know, he still has the Akira Hyoto and Hideki Suzuki versus Takuho Kato when you Bayashi match from August twenty fourth. That is re- that's really good. So yeah, man. As I go through it, Yuji isn't the guy that has matches that are all gonna be that are gonna be all over my list. I don't have five star Yujiakabayashi matches. I didn't. The Dylan James match is on my match of the year tracker. The Zeus match is on my match of the year tracker. The um, Kento match is on, my, is on my match of the year tracker. But I'm still fully able to recognize how good he was in these matches as an individual, and that's what gets him so high on this on this list for me. Yeah, I liked the Aoki match. I don't know if you mentioned that. Probably not on your tracker, but. Uh... He's a, the thing, the the thing for me is I get the people saying like wrestler of the year and I can definitely see it. He was a bit of a cram guy for me and that like I, I wasn't following him as much as I could have been all year. Um, so it's kind of tough sometimes when I like, I'm just picking and choosing really quickly based on what you're saying. I don't know that I missed much because I didn't check out like a lot of all the tags and things like that. But the, the big singles performances and the, and the tag matches that I expected big stuff from really delivered. And especially with him, um, like you talked about his performances are always like insane. He's always giving, uh, you know, 110% maximum effort in everything he does. Great aura. It's not just that he works hard, but he also knows how to carry himself to seem important and big. Um, everything he does looks believable and just fucking gnarly. The tag match, obviously. Oh yeah. That, Walter, yeah. That, yeah, that uh, was, was awesome. Was, was fucking awesome. Yeah, that's fucking awesome and really just the kind of the pinnacle of his style and what you're looking for from from Yuji and he was all he was probably the star of the match if we're perfectly honest. Um so yeah, I mean really great. Could maybe end up higher for me if I really dug in and followed everything, saw everything that he did this year, but I mean still at the same time like I said based on what you're kind of saying there maybe not. Um but uh, just phenomenal, continues to be phenomenal. And really, like a different version of like when people use the term diamond in the rough, he's he's kind of a diamond in the rough in the sense that like he's really good. But yeah, he's, he's not necessarily surrounded by a lot of people who can work to his caliber, unfortunately. But that's also just because of how good he really is. There's not a lot of people in wrestling that you could probably count them on one hand that are like really at his caliber in general, let alone all in the same company or all working in the same area that he's going to get a chance to wrestle them. Um so yeah, that was your 17, correct? Yeah, my 16. Or no, that was your 16. 
Okay, my 16, I think you might have higher Kento Miyahara. Yeah, Kento Miyahara, a lot higher. He won't, he won't be this episode. All right. Okay. So, my number 15 is Aramis. I uh, do not have Aramis. I did see him live this year. I really liked him. But uh, Aramis, uh, for, me, for me, Lucha Wrestler of the Year, super high volume, working everywhere, working a whole bunch of different stuff, working, working different styles and... Just being a very good all-around guy. I mentioned the other sort of group of guys that, you know, all sort of came up together and wrestled in matches together. That was Rez, Latigo, Dragon, Dragon Bane, Ihoda kind of sloopies. Um, even someone like uh, um, Arcangel Divino is is, is is in that class too. But for me, like the, the, Arrow, Boy, the Arrow Boy match, I held the Oro of various trios ma- trios matches that he had met the match with the res this guy was great all the time iwrg he had a really good good match seen him with impossible against dragon man ihoda kind of slupus that was one of, my, one of my favorite tag matches of the year to be perfectly honest he is always in those really nutty and awesome spot fest aramis versus latigo for the for the riot title was great and then there's a triple threat between Arez, Aramis, and Iron Kid that was su- that was super good too. And he's a guy that gives you a little bit of everything. Again, I think these guys are more talented than people give them credit for because they get this recognition as being the insanely innovative spot fest guys. But I think these guys are just insanely talented wrestlers all around. And Aramis has, sh- has shown that multiple times throughout his career that he isn't just a spot fest guy. He can be a guy that goes in there and grapples with you or just has a really well-built match with you. And that might not what you go to an Aramis match for. But for me, I think Aramis was so good all over the place, all over the indies, in the in the, in the the bigger shots that he got to do this year. I enjoyed the hell out of him. And he was one of the people that made going and digging for Lucha footage all year a, a great thing. And, you know, I, I mean... I would say I would say go back and watch him. I'm not sure he's a guy that's gonna blow up in the United States or anything like that, but he's a guy that I look forward to watching for years and years and for years and years to come as we continue to do this because I think he's still just gonna be one of the perennially more consistent guys on the Indies in Lucha. I mean, he was really popular in PWG, um, and not just like oh, one of these guys that people like lose their mind when they see him for the first time, but like people knew who he was and were excited to see him. So, I mean, we are in Southern California. A lot of people do go to the Crash and check him out and check all that stuff out. But, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously very good, and I I really enjoy what I saw from him. But you know, I just don't watch lucha. I fucking I hate that I don't. But I, I'm not gonna spend my time doing it when I don't really get much out of it, unfortunately. Um, I'm in a weird position. I mean, I, I predicted it and I think I was right. My next five people, four of them, I know you already have said, and one of them, I think you'll have higher. So, um, my next person, number 15 for me, yeah. right? That's where, that's where I'm at is, uh, Tony Depp. And I have Tony Depp at 34. Yeah. Which is, feels like a huge, no, no separation between the two but i can i could definitely get it but tony i mean just fucking murders it in every spot on every show 
He's primarily in GCW, but this year he really got around. This was the year I think Tony officially announced that he went full-time as a wrestler, um, and he really hit it hard wrestling everywhere. Um, really the backbone of GCW. Shows up in PWG, has a few good matches, the crowd gets into him, and then really turns it up, start doing insane dives and fucking nasty plunges and shit to, to really like find his niche there so that he stands out. He gets thrown into kind of the spot-festy match with the... Uh, with Zayn and, and Blake um, and Janela and really holds his own in there. He, you know, Janela was the star power. Zayn and Blake, you expect to be the high spots in the fireworks, but Tony, God damn it. If he didn't Tony's stand a great, out on his, Tony's his a great own base, way with man. his wrestling. He's a, really, he's a really good base. He's a great base, but he also, this year, I think he spread his legs into being a little bit more of, of doing, being the spot guy himself. Like I said, he's been doing that nesty plunge. He's doing the big flying clotheslines. He's getting all over the place, getting up and getting around. So, He's, he's really, he can do it all. Um, phenomenal base, obviously. Phenomenal, not just a base in the in the sense, the technical sense when it comes to like Lucha and basing for big moves, but phenomenal base when it comes to like carrying people, being the base of the matchup, taking anyone, you know, wrestling against crime time and having a good match. Um, you know what I mean? But then he can also go toe-to-toe with like Jake Atlas and have a fantastic match. Who Jake Atlas doesn't need a lot of help, but if you got someone in there like uh, like Deppin with him, you're going to have a great match. Match with Ty Hill was fucking one of the nuttiest things ever. Ty Hill felt like an instant star coming out of that, which is what Tony does. Then you got him in, in Chikara, which feels like, what the fuck is this insane person doing in Chikara? But he fits in perfectly there in Fist, playing like a... Uh, you know, more of a straight-laced character, tagging with Travis Huckabee, tagging with Icarus, and and really playing that character as, as the new school fist perfectly um, for what they're going for there. Great matches then with, like, Jonathan Gresham. Who can fucking have a great match with Dustin Thomas, the guy with no legs, and then also a great match with Jonathan Gresham? Like, this guy can do it all with everyone, and he stands toe-to-toe with everyone. We we talk about, throughout the throughout the, the night, we talk about people who are so versatile, and I don't think that there's anybody more versatile than Tony Deppen. He can work with anyone and not just work with them, not just have a match with them, but he can have a great match with them. Pretty much everyone. Nick Gage, Rory Gulak, you know, like... Who can Tony Deppen have a bad match with? I haven't seen it. He can go in there with uh, with Dan Makabe in a singles match in Scenic City Invitation and have probably the match of the tournament and what some people have as their match of the year. Then he can also be in like a clusterfuck seven-way match with, uh, with you know, um, Makabe and a bunch of other people and then still also be like one of the stars of that match. Like, the guy is able to really bring it in every setting. Like, the match with Great Sasuke, phenomenal. Like... What the fuck? Like this guy a, is a great. Uh, I mean, like obviously, else, like that's not this is the same, but a, but a great match with David Starr that kind of flew under the radar. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah! Like gets overlooked completely, but but again, he is the guy. Great match with one called Manders and Beyond just recently. Great match uh, with basically with everyone. That's it. Like the guy just has a great match with everyone. We talked about him with AJ Gray. We talked about him. Great match with Chris Bay. Great match with Danny Limelight. Great match with pretty much anyone in the world, man. Like, he just goes out there. He kills it every time. He's got super cool personality. He's over the top and just, like, insanely fun to watch. I think Tony very clearly has become the second best heel on the U.S. Indies and maybe second best on all of independent wrestling. I think think that's how how good – Tony really is that really is and that next step he's taken because for a while Tony was just like a career baby face in the exposure that I got to him and he was doing more um I guess heelish stuff and what and what was his home and what was his home and what was his home at the time home fed at the time but everywhere else it was more like baby face Tony and here just going into this 
full-fledged maniac character the promos the energy everything about him is so entertaining every show he's on and yeah you I mean there's nothing more to say like you really hit the hit the nail on the head that tony is as versatile as anybody in the world has has great matches with just about anybody in the world and tony is a guy with a guy that we've known about for a long time so i'm super happy super proud to see the steps that he's been able to take yeah, and you mentioned the promos. I didn't even think about it, but the recent stuff he's been doing and beyond with the promo that he did in uh, for the Discovery Glutton stuff, all that stuff and that character work was awesome. So yeah, yeah, he's even getting overlooked by someone like me who's like you know has him so high on the list, and even I forget some of the great all stuff right. that he does. So I think I think you're gonna have this guy higher than me considering the people that you already have on your list. But I have John Moxley at fourteen. Ooh. Moxley was no way. a late cut. I know. How? I know. I know. But um, the thing was is that the injury really cut him off at a time when he was just like insanely hot. And I just, yeah, I just ended up kind of leaving him off the list because of that at like the word, like just really last minute. I mean, I, I mean. So if your argument with John with with Moxley was that okay, well, his, like his literally like the first half of his year is, is nothing because he was still in WWE and it was this whole never ending countdown to when John Moxley's last date was, then that's a like, that's really super fair. Um, starts off starts off in the G one and from the get go, it's that is like this is a completely different guy. It's a different energy. Different swagger, different every, different everything. I forgot to mention that he, you know, the his first, first actual match was the Juice Rob was Juice Robinson at the um, Best of Super Juniors final. So from the from the get go, he's a completely different guy. Nasty energy, really brutal, really mean, and that was everything that John was at his best in WWE. If you go back to the FCW stuff versus Rollins or the Regal stuff, that's what he was at his best, and that was him getting back to the essence of that in new Japan. And he fit in like a glove dude. He was super over and he felt like a huge star and everything, everything that he, everything he did felt important. He had legitimately great matches from Ishii to Jay white to shink to Shingo. This guy was fantastic. This guy was fantastic in the tournament. The set, the second juice match was one of my favorites of the tournament and if I really do go back and rewatch it I might even bump up the rating for that just because of how much I love that match he gave you all of this and really proved that he what he is everything that he believes he is he believes that he is this guy that can go out there and be one of the tippy top wrestlers in the world and that elbow injury does happen at an opportune inopportune time that stops the Josh Barnett match from happening. That stops the Kenny Omega match from happening when it was when it was originally planned. But guess what? The dude comes back and he still has great matches versus versus Pack versus um versus Darby. That tag that tag match him with Pack going up against Ken, Kenny and Hangman Page is fucking great. So you know even 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 with that and that kind of cutting off his momentum, he comes back and. He's going like nothing ever happened, like not like nothing ever cut off his momentum, and the aura is undeniable. The promos, the energy he brings, the feel he brings. We talk about Cody and Jericho adding legitimacy to AEW. 
And truthfully, I think that's more John Moxley, man, because Cody was already established as the stuff was going on because of from being in Bullet Club and being in the elite. Chris Jericho was Chris Jericho. John Moxley was the guy that had the most to prove. Just coming, just coming fresh from WWE there, and yeah, he was he was bringing a rabid fan base with him, a fan base that already loved him and was gonna follow him no matter what. But John has really been the case the case maker for AEW eventually having the chance to be a player because you take John Moxley and he really lives up to all the potential that he's ever had in WWE and even in and then some. He we always thought of him as this potential game changer as a character in WWE. Not as his, not as his in ring guy. And he was always talented in the ring, but it felt like the in ring took a back seat to what WWE wanted him to be. Now in AEW you're getting the promos, you're getting the energy, you're getting the character. And on top of that, you're getting the in ring work being great and him being a highlight of the show. So it's it's a very it's a very limited sample size. But we mentioned it in a year like twenty nineteen where there isn't a lot of people having great years. When someone stands out as being as so special as John did, that's what opens the window for him being so high for me at fourteen. Okay. You're gonna kill me here, but I made a mistake and I did have Moxley a little bit higher. <laughs> oh I, my god. <laughs> I did something different this year with the way that I structured my list and also I just put Mox. So I was didn't <laughs> I didn't notice it when you were saying that and I remembered thinking like, "Oh, he had that injury layoff," but then I did not uh I did I did end up still having him on the list. Um oh, shit. <laughs> either way, I'll mention him when we get to him on my list, which will be next episode. Uh, that's a teaser for everybody. Um I guess my number 14, I can't remember if you said already or not, but uh, Takashita. No, I've Takashita higher. You have Takashita higher. Okay. So that was the one where I said, I wasn't sure if you had him or not. Um, My, Oh, go ahead for your number 13. My number 13, you haven't said him yet. So you might have him, have him higher. My number 13 is T-Hawk. No, I don't have T-Hawk this year. And I probably should what? have. I know I probably <laughs> should have. This shit. one I definitely don't have. Okay. I'm for sure. No T-Hawk. And I probably should have had him. But the thing was, for me, I really was paying attention to the Strongheart stuff early on and really into what he was doing and then completely just stopped paying attention. So that's on me. He probably continued to have a great year and, and deserved to be on the list. But I just completely, like, fell off the face of the earth when it came to paying attention to, like, Wrestle 1 and, and all the other places that he was showing up. Um, well, yeah, goddamn, dude. Uh, T-Hawk, only reason he isn't higher is... I would have loved to have T-Hawk in the top 10, maybe even top 5. But the reality is, you know, once T-Hawk lost the belt and as the year kept going on, T-Hawk wasn't getting much to do. He wasn't getting much to do in DDT. Big Japan, he was he, he was getting tag matches. But, again, not stuff that was really case-making or anything like that. So, T-Hawk kind of had to, had, to, had to slide down. And for a long time, I had T-Hawk in my top 3, top 5, just based off... One, the output, he was just giving me these insanely good matches and performances performances every time out. But two, like it just felt it just felt like it was right, you know. Seahawk is a guy that people have heavily debated for years now was if T Hawk was ready, was T Hawk over, was T Hawk good enough for it and all that stuff. And people watch T Hawk in twenty nineteen and they're like, Yeah, that's a T Hawk that should have been the Dreamgate champion and all that stuff. And it's like, no, man, like that's the same T-Hawk. It's the same guy. And I think that T-Hawk has a case of, of booking really made people forget 
how good he actually is and what the talent level was because there's a reason why T-Hawk was the guy that was being pegged to be the future Dreamgate champion and it wasn't like Ata or Big or Big R Shimizu or anything like that. It was it was T-Hawk. And I think this year with just more T-Hawk coming back and really reaping what he's deserved all this time and he should have been a top guy in Dragon Gate and all that stuff. But you know what? That's how the cookie crumbles and that's not what we got. What we got was T-Hawk showing up in Wrestle 1 and he's having insanely good matches with Shotaro Ashino and Jiro and Shuji Kondo and just great title defenses. Some of the best matches Wrestle 1 has ever had has ever had in their history and stuff that may, really makes you appreciate the quality that the Strong Hearts guys are bringing to Wrestle 1. The Daki Inaba match isn't as strong as the Jiro, Kondo, or Ashino matches, but it's still a very good match. Uh, T-Hawk versus Daniel Garcia from OWE Toronto. The other, the other W, like a little bit of WXW stuff we do, we do get from Strong Hearts. The tags we get from Strong Hearts to end it, to, to begin the year in DDT are really good. Going up against all, going up against All Out. The Akito match from Judgment was very good and had my hopes up, thinking that we'd get, um. A Seahawk versus Kanosuke Takashita title match at some point in 2019, and we just didn't get that. But also, we go back to Fight Club Pro and him and uh, and Lindemann going up against Shima and Seki Oshioka is very, is very solid. And and T Hawk just felt right, man. We you know the SCU versus Stronghearts tag from Double or Nothing was a was a great opener. The stuff we get from him and from from him and Jay stage and the, and the footage of that that we get to see, he was a very good guy all year, and I wish that I was able to have him higher, but I just can't justify it. But T Hawk and his success just made me very happy to see uh, him and Lindemann had a solid run in the big in the Big Japan uh, tag tournament and the, and the stuff that I got to see from that. But yeah, but yeah, man, he's a guy that. The talent speaks for itself, and he really was getting treated how he deserved to be treated finally. And hopefully in 2020, I just get to see him do more stuff. Maybe bring Stronghearts back to DDC. Maybe we get T-Hawk versus Takashita. I don't know, but T-Hawk is way too good to not get more opportunities, and I hope that's what 2020 still gives him. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, really good when I was following him early in the year. Really felt like he's coming to his own. Sounds like he fell off even when I wasn't paying attention. So we'll see. But but phenomenal, phenomenal wrestler. So f- like from what I saw this year. Um, my number thirteen. I like I said. I knew. The, I think the rest of what I've got. I know you've already said earlier. Number thirteen. Uh, the Mac of all trades. AC Mac. Um, best champion in America probably. Um, phenomenal as the action champion and then eventually winning the Bone Storm champion in SUP and really delivering the same level of performances there uh, with their championship. Um, not just the character, another one, I mean, fuck, like he could be in your conversation for the best heel. You talked about Tony Deppin being number two, and I was like, who is he number two to? I was trying to think, and I'm like, probably AC Mack would be actually who he's number two to in America um, for just heel performance, character, promo, everything that he does. But then also, he can fucking go man he can have work rate ass matches he can like 
go balls to the walls. He doesn't have to, though. He can keep up with anybody in wrestling, though. Um, had that Jake Atlas match that really showed that off, like that he can wrestle. Also, the Yehi match really shows that he can do all kinds of wrestling. Um, the feud with Alan Angels I thought was amazing. Um, now kind of starting a feud with, with, with Brett Eisen, which is interesting to have him beat to Eisen for the title and then kind of start like an interpromotional feud, um, which is going to be very interesting to see where that goes. Um, really like the match with uh, with Cole Radrick in uh, Paradigm Pro. Um, great match with Logan Stunt in Sup. Great match. All that Logan that Logan Stunt matches, <laughs> fucking insane. It's nutty, right? Like it's so good. God, I... the fucking chair shot. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the guy can do it all, really. Um, SCI, I think maybe second third best performer overall in all of SCI from beginning to end. Um, I, I could see someone arguing that he was the best, uh, for me personally, I'm partial to Dan, but that's, you know, obviously, obviously, but, uh, but yeah, I just thought he was great the whole way through playing his character. Um, he's just fucking phenomenal. The match with Slim J for the action title was great. Everything. I mean, pretty much every match that you see from, from AC Mack, he's perfectly executing what he's needs to do for his character, for what he's going for. So I just I think he's great. Now he's popping up. He shows up in uh, in Beyond, uh, feuding with Layla Hirsch, which is a lot of fun. Perfect kind of feud for him there, um, just because she's such a badass and he could play chicken shit heel and uh, does such a great job against against her in that way. So yeah, I mean this guy, how young he is, how early on he is in his career. Sky feels like it's the limit for this guy because yeah, he's he's got the the part that a lot of people can't do, which is the character, the talking, all that stuff. But he's got that down, and he's got the in-ring. So, yeah, like I said, sky's the limit for AC Mack. Yeah, I meant to ask you, what do you think AC's ceiling is? We're, we're starting to see him. He popped up in Uncharted Territory and everything. What do, what do you think AC Mack can go from here other than being sort of a defining star in his region and action and sup and being a defining guy for IWTV? Do you think that maybe in twenty in twenty twenty we see him fully take that mantle of being the guy on IWTV? Do you see even bigger? What what do you think AC Max ceiling is? A couple of years ago, I would say his ceiling is yeah, like the IWTV, the top guy of IWTV or something. Maybe he could get a shot and be something in like ROH, but not even like a top guy. But with the changing landscape and with someone like Adam Cole being like the main face of the third brand of WWE, it makes me feel like someone like AC Mack can really get to that level easily in a couple of years. Cause a few years ago, I would have told you there's no way that someone like Adam Cole could get to the level that he's at right now. So I think the landscape is changing a lot. And I think that someone like AC Mack, because he's got, I mean, fuck, that's a, that was just a random comparison that popped up in my head. But if you really think about that comparison, it's, it's pretty apt. Like when it comes to work level, character level, and then like physique, size, everything else, like Adam Cole at this stage of his career, three years in is not very far off from AC Mack. In fact, AC Mack might be a better promo than Adam Cole was three years into his career. Really? Um, I mean, almost, almost definitely better than, better than Cole was like being three years in. Yeah. So like realistically, I could see at least the level that Cole is at right now, which is to say he's the top guy on the third brand for WWE, which is pretty fucking good. You know, like I'm, I don't think that he could be the top guy in all of WWE, but even, uh, even at the time when Ar- when like Rollins was in ROH, I wouldn't have thought Rollins could ever be like a top guy. Fuck Steen. I wouldn't have thought he could ever be a top guy in, in WWE, and he is. They Both of them are. So, again, 
realistically, I think if you can talk, which look at the people I'm talking about, Adam Cole, Kevin Steen, like they can talk. And that's why they ended up getting the chances and ended up where they're at. And I think that with the fact that AC Mack can talk, I think he can get anywhere. The, the, you know, then the next hurdle, not just the size, not just that he is black. So WWE, maybe not great, but AEW, I mean, the rest of the roster, he doesn't, he's not small compared to that roster. And I think he's a guy that can definitely get in there and, and make something. I mean, fuck AC Mac MJF. Is there much, is there a huge difference? Honestly, you might argue that AC Mac's a better wrestler than MJF when it comes to the in-ring stuff. So theoretically I could see him at that level. Like I could see AC Mac ending up as one of the top stars in all of wrestling would basically what I'd say. I don't know if he'll be someone who gets over internationally. We'll see. Like, I don't know if he could go over and be like Japan, work in Japan, work in really even Europe. Maybe he could. Um, I think, unfortunately, I think England, they would just like it, love his character stuff too much and not really give him any real heel heat. So I don't know that he would like be an effective heel there. But uh, but realistically, like with the way the landscape of wrestling changes, I think AC Mack could end up being one of the top stars in the whole world. Like, that's where I think is the is kind of where he tops out just because. Being able to talk is a big fucking deal, and he can talk. He can really talk, and there's like not a lot of people who can, who compare to the level of promo that he is right now. And then if you can work too, then that's just an added bonus. Not just talk too, just get like genuine heat, like not sort of tongue in cheek, like okay, you're a heel, so we're gonna boo you, like real, like we fucking hate your guts. We talked about it before when I talked about how maybe I enjoy AC Mac and Sup more than I enjoy him in action. Just because with action, you know that it's more of a P- more of a PG product, and you know just they're just, they're just doing mad and everything. It's more geared for being sort of access- accessible for kids. And AC is very good at being a, a bad guy that little kids hate. And then you go and you look at his sub stuff, and it's full grown adults that are hating his fucking guts. So AC back can work anywhere, and I do and I do hope he gets those chances because I, because like you said, the potential is there for AC to be one of those top guys in wrestling and maybe not a top guy, maybe not one of the best wrestlers in the world, but a guy that gets TV time consistently is one of the, you know, more consistently booked guys on the roster. You know, like Kenny King has gotten countless opportunities in ROH to be something and to be a top guy and countless titles and pushes and all that stuff. And if ROH is looking out there, there's no reason why AC, why AC Matt can't be a perennial guy on their roster. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, I want to do something a little different here just because I know that this person, that that, that my number 11 is probably going to be uh, a third part. A third. Well, who, I think it needs to be your number 12. I know I'm saying I'm saying. Oh, that, okay. I'm sorry. I'm on, I'm on my 12, but I'm also saying that my 11, I think, is going to be a third parter for you. So I'm going to say my 12 is Michael Sotomora, but okay. my 11 is Shingo Takagi. Yes, Shingo will be on the next part for me. And my my next two, 12 and 11, I already know you have. So I already had Mako at uh, 27. My 12 and 11 are Okada and Garini. So Okay, so me all right, let, do... let me... Oh, go ahead. All right, so let's do Garini first. Okay, uh, that's my number 11. Okay, and he, I had him at 22. Okay, um, so yeah, so Garini... Uh, Biggest thing I'll say is probably the best gimmick match worker in the world, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Garini in a gimmick match setting is fucking insane. And I talked about it before that, like, part of it is, like, he's a shoot guy. And, like, seeing him with weapons is just, like, fucking scary. Um, him t- upping the violence in that level just seems uncalled for. 
Um, and he just carries himself like a fucking monster. Like he's like Michael Myers, basically like that kind of monster that just keeps coming bloody violence. Um, but then also like I, with the coup stuff, I talked about it in the tag team, like violence is forever, probably the best tag team in of 2019. And he's, <laughs> I hate to fucking say this. He's the better part of the team for me, at least I fucking love him. I always think that everything he does is great. Everything I, think, he does I, think, I mean, I think, I think most, I think most people would agree there. Like it's, yeah. it's not controversial to say. I like Kev. I mean, the reason why I hate to say it is because I like Kevin Koo. Great guy. I think he's a really good worker. I think he, honestly, from what I hear, he undervalues himself a little bit, which sucks because I think that he's great. But but the reason why Garini gets put over the top is all that single stuff. The Joshua Bishop match that's like could be match of the year contender for a lot of people. Um, Phil Veroni match in Bloodsport. Um, all the matches, but especially the Dan match in um, in the Ambition Wild card. Uh, Chikara match against one John Francis of Colorado, fucking great stuff. So like he's the, got um, the the Dominic Garini fucking gauntlet match from from Sup, where they just keep oh. throwing people out, just keep throwing people in there, and it's it's credible just because you know like Dominic Garini's history and Sup, and then you get to the final part of it with him facing Logan Stunt, and they turn Logan Stunt to Dominic Garini in one of my most anticipated matches in all of wrestling. Like I am dying to see that match, and I'm glad that it's booked. But I was dying to see that match all year after seeing that gauntlet match. And that match is gimmicky as fuck. Obviously, like, that's, a, that's a, you know, more of a WWE-ish WWE trope and all, that, and all that stuff. And it completely works in this indie wrestling setting with Dominic Garini being this monster. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Pops up a little bit in MLW. Um, and you know not really like a featured act there but always brings like really great stuff he was in that fighting spirit tournament the grand prix thing that we mentioned definitely the best guy in the whole tournament um and just like yeah clearly deserved to win it and and does um and fucking owns every one of his matches is great i mean he's just he's too damn good he's the epitome of my kind of wrestler he's really like in a lot of ways he's hitting like the jeff cobb area for me which uh you, you may have noticed i have not mentioned jeff cobb yet so we'll see but uh but uh what yeah, the f- dominic <laughs> dominic garini uh is is really right up my alley especially because he's just got the personality and the violence and everything i mean he's over the top and quentin that was a joke jeff cobb didn't make my top oh, oh, oh i was about to say jesus christ dude <laughs> yeah he did not make my list this year and that feel it feels weird and i wanted to just say it I wanted to say it out loud so everyone knows because it's it's not did you um did you see any of the aiw stuff later on in the year with um dom versus alex shelley or the joshua bishop rematch i saw the bishop rematch and i really want to see the shelley match i haven't seen it yet i did see yeah, she- the jaylet stuff uh well the jaylet match with eric stevens uh, and that was about it. Yeah, the, 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 the Shelly match rules. And, you know, you, you've been higher on Dom than I have been historically. He's a guy that was, was usually making your list and all that stuff. And he wasn't making mine. So on on its surface, it's like, oh, well, it's a weak year. And that's why Dominic Rainey is not making my list. And it's, it's not, nah, man. I've, I, think, I think I've turned a corner on Dom just because I think now he's being used more effectively. I think Sup was always the place that used him best. But I think... They especially reached a pinnacle there with them this year with that They Might Be Giants versus Violence is Forever tag. The Cabana Man Dan match we didn't even mention. Um, you know. The gauntlet. I the, mean, the gauntlet. Like, you talk about yeah, the pinnacle. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah, the the gauntlet. Obviously, going over and doing Ambition and that Dan, and that Dan Makabe being match. Dan Makabe match being so great. Joshua Bishop. And I think Dom just, he is... 
it's sort of wild that a guy with Dominic Dominic's background is sort of better just doing just being a bad just being a badass like gimmick match gimmick gimmick match guy and sort of like Thatcher was good at that too you can say you can say Gulak and all that stuff was good at it but Dom is taking it to a different level it's he was going full on into the hardcore stuff bleeding all over the place and he just doesn't give a fuck and that energy I think translated better for me this year than any other year with Dom and I've said like I Dominic again on the surface me and you have similar taste Dominic should be one of my wrestlers but it never hit for me. I say the same thing about Shihiro Hashimoto, on its on its face because of Shihiro Hashimoto's background, how she and like her style and what she does. I should like her more, but I just don't. And Dom was able to take that next step for me this year, where he became one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. Yeah, definitely. All right, so my number twelve to end to end up I'll end up my portion of the show is Michael Satomura. So and you had her at what? Uh, let me double check. Twenty-seven. All right. So I have maybe not as have been as high on Michael Satomura as others have been in the last couple of years. Obviously, Michael Satomura is one of the best wrestlers of all time. But I felt like a lot of the Michael Satomura praise that was going around was more rooted in the fact that people were just really excited to see her live and all that stuff and get her due and be in the Mae Young Classic and everything. And, th- and she was putting on good matches, but not to the point where I, th- where I was as into them as other people seem to be. Like the Mercedes Martinez match from last year wasn't as big on. Um, even her Fight Club Pro stuff, like other than, the, other than the Kyle Fletcher match, I wasn't super high on. The Chris Brooks stuff is good, but again, I wasn't going crazy for it. So... Here we go in the 2019, and I loved Michael Satomura, and I was and I was just trying to figure out why. I mean, the Sendai the Sendai Girls tag against um against all against All Out on the All Out versus Sendai Girls cross crossover show, that six man tag main event is fucking incredible. But then Takashita versus Michael Satomura is fantastic, and. Takashita and, and Takashita and Satomura feel like complete equals and Takashita is really leaning into playing heel and being aggressive and being a dickhead and Michael Satomura just takes it to him at every turn and it there's there's just more of that up into up in the main up in the main event Sari versus Micah I touched on I touched on already but that being extremely nasty and violent one of my favorite and one of my favorite matches of the year we go and I enjoyed her versus versus Jordan versus Jordan Grace from Progress. I know that that one kind of flew under the radar a little bit, but that was but that's a good match. And other scattered stuff and other scattered stuff in Sendai Girls, but the one that really put a bow on it and told me like, man, you really need to have Michael Satomura higher this high, high this year was that Mark Davis match. And I talk about Mark and I talk about Mark in it, and he's phenomenal. But Michael being so vulnerable to start it off. And then just turning into this, into this total, complete ass kicker. You totally believe Michael Satomura beating the shit out of this, like, 6'3", 6'4", 250-pound dude. You buy into it. You can totally see Michael Satomura just kicking his face, kicking his head in, kicking him in the mouth, busting him open, all that stuff, giving him a Death Valley driver through a table. You can buy it because Michael presents herself with such a such a presence 
and I think I figured out why Michael hasn't hit for me so so hasn't hit for me the same way in other years as she did this year is Michael just for me and when she's doing traditional title match stuff like against Chihiro Hashimoto it doesn't hit for me man and some of it's on me not liking Chihiro as much but even Michael in that matches I'm not in love with and when that was a big part of her case previous times obviously I was obviously that wasn't going to lead to her being on my list but when she just gets to float around Sendai girls and do tags and wrestle wrestle Sari and do stuff and do stuff like wrestle Takashita and do and do and do that and do that all out tag she is much better and I'm much I like her much better in that role where she just gets to kick ass and be mean and be nasty versus seeing her work traditional slow building title matches which she's very good at she has a lot of them over her career so i'm not saying that that's not something that michael sotomore isn't great at but in the recent years it just didn't hit for me but michael sotomore was fantastic this year and i'm really glad to be able to feel like i can have her on my list this go around after not having her during her sort of peak exposure years yeah, like last year felt like it was the world tour year for her, and a lot of people were talking about her as wrestler of the year because of it. Like you said, probably a lot of people getting to see her live that was helping to like kind of solidify her case. Um, this year, a little bit less of that, but still a lot of really good stuff. Primarily, I think probably the best quality thing is the the, the stuff with the uh, with Takashita that you talked about at the DDT Sendai Girl show, and then the um, the big six man tag afterwards. Um, that was all really great. Uh, but she had some other kind of stuff outside of Sendai Girls that was good as well. Um, more stuff in DDT Six Mans and stuff. The match with Martina at Scrapper Mania 5 was like impressive for having a good match with Martina because she sucks. Um, and then the Jordan Grace match you mentioned, but like to me, Jordan Grace's best match as Progress Champion, uh, probably. Like the best match of that title reign, which was not a great title reign, but still, I mean, it was really good. And it was Mako making something out of something that was kind of flopping uh, Millie McKenzie match in, in fight club pro that I liked a lot. The uh, progress. I like, uh, I, I like that. I like the Danny Luna match. I, yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit. That was the next thing I was going to mention. So yeah, I like that one too. Um, and then, and then of course the Mark Davis match being the pinnacle probably of, of what she did in the UK. Um, I think, Ooh, it'd be tough for me to compare to say which one was definitely better between that and the Takashita match. Um, for her case, I would say the the Davis match is probably better um, because, like you said, it really helps solidify just how badass she is as a um, as a, a, a character, as an ass kicker, basically. Um, for quality of the match, the Takashita match was probably better. Um, Takashita kind of playing more of the bully role there um, and, and just kind of the way the story went. I liked that one a lot more. So, so yeah, she was awesome this year. Um, had a lot of great, great stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, kind of did mine out of order now. Um, yeah, so the thing that, like, your last one is uh, Okada, so I think we could we could just end this show off with, with, with your thoughts on him. Okay, um, so, yeah, so Okada... Um, after kind of last year and what happened with the G1 stuff and the kind of broken Okada thing, um, I was like kind of down on him and I know that you were really high on him and it was, it was interesting to have those feelings, but I felt like he came into this year and I mean, the Jay White match at Wrestle Kingdom is phenomenal. Um, the, uh, 
I I really liked the the New Japan Cup match that he had with the uh, with Mikey Nichols. Uh, not a great match because Mikey Nichols wasn't good, but I was like really impressed. That's, with that's like that, like that's the best possible match you can probably have with Mikey Nichols. At that yeah, stage. and that was like that was the thing about this year is like after last year having the speed bump year and and adding depth to the character in whatever way that was. It felt like this year he came in and was like, now I I have to be the ace completely. Um, to where stuff like something like the Mikey Nichols match had to be really good, <laughs> like you know, and he and he did it, and it's like yeah, like Mikey Nichols is not great, but he had a good match with him. The match with Will Ospreay was great. Um, obviously, match with Ishii very good. Another match with Jay White um, at the at the that terrible Madison Square Garden ROH show that was like. Did did, did you did you like the Okada? Uh, Okada J match at, at Master Square Garden. I did. It was the okay. only good match on the show, really. Um, and it almost okay. It almost could have saved the show if the show wasn't so horrendous, honestly. But, um, but you know, I, I yeah, I liked it. It wasn't their best match, and you know, but it was on a really really shitty show. And I know that probably for other people like that makes it so once you get to it, you're just so worn out from a bad show that you're. But it was like for me, it was like at least we got something good. It was and it was long, so I can definitely see why probably in the building it was not the right match. And it was probably really annoying for everyone there, but I'm watching it at home and I'm like, God, this show has sucked. At least I got something kind of worthwhile that I could sink my teeth into in the main event. Um, you know, he wrestled Sonata, what, like seven times this year? So, you know, those the mileage may vary on those. But you, I think, liked some of his Sonata matches this year more I, than I, I did. Liked, I, li- I liked one of them. I liked, I, I liked one of them. Two of them are the worst, are two of the worst matches I've seen all year. But. Right. He has a miraculous match in the G one with Sonata, yeah. Where was... Sonata, fi- where Sonata finally beats him, and I, you know, just gotta call a spade a spade. That's a great match, man. As much as I, don't, as much as I dislike Sonata, or I'm, or I'm frustrated with Sonata, that was a great match that Okada got out of him. Yeah, and that was, I mean, that was a really good match. He had a killer G one overall. Um, the final, kind of his final block night match with. Kota Ibushi, I thought was perfect to set up Kota Ibushi to going into winning the whole thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, phenomenal year, and like I said, really had the hiccup speed bump year last year. Add some character depth or whatever, and oh, he's you know he's he's broken and he's defeated. But then this year it was like now he's the ace and he has to he's overcome something like a real obstacle, and now he really is is delivering at the top level. Um, Royal Quest match with Suzuki, I really loved. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I just thought that. Uh, had a really phenomenal year every at bat every like time he went out there he he was delivering and uh even in really bad situations or even like situations that are not great he was overcoming like i said with the mikey nichols match and with that uh that roh show match i thought that he was able to in a bad situation still deliver something so uh really impressive this year showing like that he's growing into being basically the the star the next guy not yeah, even the next guy. He is the guy. Like, I know that, that, that's what I was gonna say. Is yeah. that you know, it's you know, Okada came back in 2012, and really, you know, we're we're coming into the into the next decade, and it's been eight years, pretty much, of Okada being of Okada being the guy now, and obviously Tanahashi was still there to sort of like share responsibilities every now and then, but and Nakamura, like up yeah, until recently, not, Nakamura too. Yeah, so he he had guys to share responsibilities as to where like the push that Okada was getting while it was strong, he wasn't you know completely taking over the company. It was a more gradual thing that I think people really really think of. But you know, 
like a lot of Tanahashi years, this was a year where Okada didn't have a ton to work with, but he still made the most of it. And you mentioned Hill, how many times he had to wrestle Sonata. He wrestled Sonata four times this year. The New, J- the New Japan Cup Final, a title match at Dantaku, G1, and a title match at King of Pro Wrestling. Four times this year with Sonata. And Sonata, you know, maybe being the most over-wrestler in New Japan currently. You know, obviously, that's not a bad thing that Okada's in the ring with him. But for me, those guys don't really produce good matches together. At least they weren't this, this year other than the G1 match. So Okada in, in like, Okada's trying his best to make this stuff work. And the New Japan Cup match is just straight up bad. But the G1 one, I think, is probably the best Okada performance of the year. I think how dismissive and rude and nasty and just how much he's talking shit to Sonata and getting Sonata to really show some emotion, show some fire, show some urgency really shows like the growth in Okada because Okada's Okada being able to get that out of somebody is an ace as quality being able to get that sort of emotion out of somebody and really raise the stakes of a match and raise the ire of someone in a match where they really like feel the gravity of the situation. That's an ace. That's an ace ish quality. Uh, the Jay White, the Jay White match from Wrestle Kingdom, I loved a lot. I loved the pace. I loved the urgency of it. Loved the finish. Great match. The blemish, the blemish for me is I don't think that I don't think he was. I don't. I didn't like the Madison Square Garden match, and he was not the main problem with it. I will talk about what I thought the main problem was when we get to when we get to the third part. Oh, but but he but he but he wasn't the one. But he also didn't really do much to add to it either. Uh. New Japan Cup stuff, you mentioned it. The Nichols, Os- Nichols, Osprey, and Ishii matches. And he goes in the G1. And shit, man, he has great matches with everybody in the G1. I'm not sure he wasn't my G1 MVP when I go look at it. From Tanaha- from Tanahashi to Abushi to, uh, to Osprey to even to even to even Archer. Uh this guy this guy was Really, really, really great, great in the G one. Zach Sonata, all that, all that stuff that he that he was still giving you. Kenta, the Kenta match, the Kenta versus Okada match, I enjoyed a lot. So he might even just be my G one MVP. So the guy, the guy delivered time in and time out, and even the Jericho match, and neither of us mentioned like it's a it's you know it's Chris Jericho in twenty nineteen, and while he's a serviceable guy. Him going out there and trying to run a New Japan style main event isn't going to breed the best results. But you know, Okada tried really hard in that. Okada, Okada did his, Okada did his best with the car, with the cards that were dealt to him, and I think that's more what I appreciate about Okada's year is that through having to wrestle Sonata four times, through Jay White not showing up at Madison Square Garden essentially, through having to wrestle Chris Jericho in the in the second biggest show of the year for New Japan. Through all of that, Okada was still one of the best wrestlers in the world. And every time out, when you know the situation, the situation called for it, Okada delivered. And I think, you know, it's not as good as the 2018 for me, obviously, where I had him, where I had him number one, or 2017, where most people, most people thought he was the best wrestler in the world. But it's still a top tier in the world year for Okada, which is going on eight years straight now. Yeah, definitely. Um... So yeah, that's uh yeah that's it, and uh, like I said, prediction came true. A lot more crossover here in this second part, um, and hey, look, it, we just made it under uh, two and a half hours. So 
What the heck? Mm. Yeah, man, we're really we're really flying through it this time. So, no lollygagging here. We're gonna cut the we're gonna cut this off now. See you guys at the third part. Thanks for listening. Paying niggas no mind. Them other niggas broke. Shoot out some two two three. Send me my scope. You the best bitch ever. Plus you cook the best jerk. All pink definition. Your purse we love to eat. Watch the ocean. When we get home, I'ma eat you till you cry by your furs in July just for nothing. Shut up your ex, nigga. House I was bugging. You looking at me when you suck it? Do your moms know you do that? I blew your back out first day. 